This is Scoreline Extra, the place where you can listen back to the best interviews that KCLR Scoreline has to offer. This week we hear post-match talk from Carlo's second Allianz National Football League encounter of the season as they defeated Waterford by one goal and 11 points to 10 points. We'll also hear post-match reaction from St. Kieran's College Leinster final defeat to Offaly Schools, losing out by two points there to the Offaly side. KCLR analyst Terence Kelly will reflect on Carlo's defeat against Kildare in the Allianz National Hurling League Division 2A. Carlo legend Willie Quinnan looks back on the Barrisiders' trip to Waterford and reflects on their next game against Leash in the Allianz National Football League. Two-time All-Ireland winner Michael Walsh gives his thoughts on Kilkenny's opening round 118-15 to point defeat of Antrim in the National Hurling League. While former Kilkenny All-Ireland winner Andy Comfort previews the season ahead for Kilkenny, reflects on his time as O'Loughlin Gales manager and speaks about the emergence of fellow clubmen Mikey Butler and other O'Loughlin's players onto the Kilkenny panel. Former Ireland international Mick Quinn also reviews Ireland's first Six Nations game against Wales that took place on Saturday, which saw Andy Farrell's side come out with a convincing victory. Wexford football coach Ani Kinsella explains the hashtag Stand Strong movement established by Allianz Insurance and Women's Aid. New Oak boys duo Connor Byrne and Lee Murphy look ahead to their mouth-watering Leinster Senior Cup clash with Bray Ronders. And Carlo native and Kilkenny Foot Golf Club player Stan Brennan looks ahead to the start of the Irish Tour later this month. But first, here's Kilkenny manager Derek Ling speaking to Oshin Langan after his team's six-point defeat of Antrim in the first round of the Allianz National Hurling League. Derek Ling, Kilkenny Hurling manager, your first Allianz League game, your first Allianz League win. What are your thoughts on the match? Tough game. Um, we were decent at times, at other times then we were... We, 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 uh, we might have hardened ourselves, but look, we got over the line in the end. And um, I thought, in, uh, you know, the conditions that were out there, I thought we, we did it very well, particularly in the last 15, 15 minutes of the game. In the second half, they got a bit of a run and you still managed to get through. Is that a great thing for a new manager with a lot of young players to see that even when things went against you, you were still able to get the job done? Yeah, I mean, we went out in the second half, the wind had changed and um, it looked like it even got stronger. And, you know, if you like, Antrim up the field, got a few scores and they had all the momentum. So it looked like looked like we were going to be under pressure. But um, So that's what I'm most pleased with, really, was the kind of, just the character of the lads. They didn't panic, they kept composed and they got the scores and they just kept, kept plugging away. And eventually, you know, every score we got from there on in was really important. There were crucial scores. So um, it just gave us a bit of a cushion in the end. We saw a lot of working the ball from you today but we saw a few long balls is there a style change or are you just kind of saying to the lads look go with instinct out there what way does that work it's a bit of both I suppose we're trying to work on lots of things uh, but I mean at the end of the day players are out there to make decisions for themselves we want to these are all good hurlers we want to be able to equip them with be able to make their own decisions and work it every way that's that's the way the game has gone and that's what we're trying to do but some of it was good some of it wasn't so good and they're not looking for perfection this time of the year but at the same time I thought our intention was always good they were trying to do the right thing and look we have a lot of work to do, and uh, but that's okay. We've, you know, we'll have to try and look to improve as the, the weeks go on. Patrick Walsh was immense today. Look, they all worked hard. He was really good. When the younger guys in the panel and squad and the starters today see a performance like that from someone like that, do they take more from it? Is that a real learning experience? Is that exactly what you were looking for today for those young lads to go out and battle hard? But to see 
and learn on the field because that's really the only place to learn I guess isn't it? It is the only place to learn you can do as much training as you want but I mean the uh, you have to take it into a game situation and today was a like a fantastic test one minute yeah. um, it was a fantastic test for those younger players but also show the importance of some of the lads that have been there and done it before and you know Parry was outstanding Killian Buckley they all they all played a part Paddy Deegan so all those lads play a huge part in, in you know bringing, bringing through these young lads as well and being a, you know, being a support um, but just overall very happy with the, the attitude from the, from the team and look we have to look forward towards next weekend now Cheers Derek well done today Thanks Sorry, sorry, sorry. Leo O'Connor, manager of the Offaly Combined Schools team. What a day for you. You're just after winning the Leinster Senior Colleges final. Sum up your emotions for us. Um, I suppose over the last three years being, being involved with Offaly at minor level and moving up this year to under 20 level and coming down here today as part of a combined schools that it's really a great occasion for Offaly schools to be getting there um, not alone to be winning it but to be in the final and be competing you know we worked really hard and we've really got got them through um, I suppose to the, the disappointment of the all Ireland minor final last year and for them to come down here today play St Kieran's College which is what I would consider the home of colleges hurling you know if you look back there's, there's a hell of a lot of St Kieran's College names on that and a lot of a lot of right good ones let me tell you on that but look it's just it's just a great occasion for the lads and to get over the, the defeat last year in the All-Ireland Mind final at the last minute and like there's a few extra players there got come, has come onto the panel fellas have really opened up and then really began to develop and you know you see it there half time it wasn't looking good for us but we dug in we dug in again last week in the second half and turned over St Kieran's great, great occasion for the lads great excitement and it's another step in the ladder for Offaly Hurling For 11 plus of them lads to be here last year and as you said already the disappointment did that have a bearing on the boys to actually know the surroundings that they were coming to today because you had played here last year you knew where you were coming to you knew the pitch and by God you put it up to Kieran's as well right from the road goal because let's be fair you might have said you were struggling at half time but Kieran's were playing second fiddle to you for the whole match nearly yeah, yeah but I, I there was a moment here, just me arrived when I arrived here today the Kieran's players were here before us and there was one or two of the Kieran's players coming in and it was just an innocent young fella playing with Kieran's today says he said he's from outside the county so I was like Kenny this is my first time playing in Olin Park and I had players here with Offaly that had been down here two or three times in the last two or three years and it just registered in my head you know so from that point of view you know listen the bit of experience that we've had down here like but in fairness Killian Doyle these guys like the Harry Shines the Ted Dunn's they've all Ireland medals in their pocket or 20 medals in their pocket and for us to perform and to get to that level it's been, it's been immense and look long may it continue How important is the win today for Hurland in particular in Offaly because this is going to give the county a huge boost going forward especially this year as well and your minor team on the performance from last year like it's looking bright for Offaly Hurland in the future It is the last two or three years have been very very bright for us and that's one of the most important things is that we do push on you know, we and as, as I say to the lads, every day is a learning day. You know, um, 
I was just laughing there, there was one or two balls there broke with five minutes to go and players go with one hand. The only thing that's given out down in Kilkenny with one hand is mass cards. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you need to get over the ball, go with two hands. And I was trying to get the message in, like, so in fairness, like, you know, it's a learning curve and that's, that's, what, that's what happens, you know. Give us your thoughts now. It's great winning the Leinster title. Unfortunately for these fellas now, they can't go forward to represent Offaly or the schools in the All-Ireland series because it's a combined team. What's your thoughts on that? Sure, look, it is what it is. We knew we, we knew the situation when we went into Leinster that we couldn't go forward. Um, but it's a pity, you know, and, like, we'll get over disappointment. I'm not saying it's... it's, it's it's wrong because combined combined teams in, in intercounty in intercounty championships can't go on and represent their clubs in Munster Counts in Munster Club or, or Leinster Club, whatever the case may be. So it's just from our point of view it's important that uh, we we just we came down. This was our All Ireland. And we, we were going home to, going home tonight with the, with the cup. Well, congratulations. It was an outstanding performance and we wish you the very best of luck for the future going forward with yourself and these young fellas. Listen, there's no fear then. We get them up, get them up to Offaly tonight, get enjoy themselves tonight and they're back training in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with Offaly GAA County Board Chairman Michael Dignan. Michael, what a performance there by your combined schools team to win the Leinster A Colleges competition, beating St. Kieran's here on nearly their home patch here in UPMC Nolan Park. Great day for Offaly Hurland. Look, it is. Um, there's a lot of work going on over the last number of years and look, we were here last last year against Tip in the minor All-Ireland final and uh, I suppose we had a heartbreaking defeat that day and I think there was 11 of the lads from that team playing here today and five points up there again today the same as against Tip last year down to a point and you know they're only young lads and it had to be in the back of their heads uh, what happened playing against the wind here in the second half and they just showed great character to get back up the field and score the last score and win by two so look we're very proud of them they're a great bunch of young lads they're ferociously dedicated uh, I know there might be people saying it's a it's an awfully team it's an awfully schools team but and that is true but I suppose we are a small county um, Borough in the B Leinster Schools final, uh, the Beck Kalash to Column, another Offaly school in the semi final. Kilcormick Kalahi are playing this in the other semi final next Tuesday. So they're all small enough schools in their own right. They're all playing B and competing really well. And when you consider, like, there's only five or six teams in the A Leinster schools, so the B is a very strong, I think, whereas in football, there's 20 odd teams in the A, you know. So the B Hurling schools is very strong, and we've three of the strongest teams in that. And it's, I think it gives the lads a great opportunity to come together to play A Hurling, to play Kieran's, who are the aristocrats, and, you know, and, and it's, it's fantastic fantastic they're a great side I know they're missing a couple of key men today as well and we want to you know, recognise that but it is great to come back to Northern Park it is great to come and play Kieran's a great sporting game and we are thrilled I have to say I'd be telling a lie I'm a little bit <coughs> emotional for some of the lads because I know a lot of them very well the captain of the minor team last year is my next door neighbour and it took a lot out of him losing last year so it's great the heartbreak of last year to be fair you definitely should have come away with victory from that game we won't dwell on the pass no. today is a great day for Offaly Hurland and for them young fellas and the main objective is always to keep young fellas Hurland at the top level which let's be fair we need Offaly doing these lads are the future so the more matches that they can get being competitive again the likes of Kieran's College Kalosh to Owens at Dublin you know yeah. the same Flannans them fellas you need to have that but I mean you were brilliant today I mean Kieran's were playing second fiddle to you for the whole match nearly well look, I think physically 
realistically you could see Kieran's where, where that could be bigger like we have a lot of lads uh, you'll see the, the, the lads over there they're, they're small and light a lot of them you know and, and they have a long way to go but we made a decision last year after the minor there was 16 of the panel over age 14 of the start team were actually under last year which is very unusual for Offaly but we brought them all into the 20 panel so we, we carried a, a we carried a large under 20 panel there for during the winter there doing a bit of gym work and all that and we are conscious of that exactly what you said that we have to bring all these lads forward but it's not a big job because they're so dedicated you know and um, when I came in as chairman three years ago, a huge part was get the schools going, get the clubs going, get back to the basics, you know, get our development squads. There's a, there's a whole lot of parts. It's not just about... And at the same time, trying to keep our senior teams going as competitive as we can. We have slipped a lot, but they're working really hard as well. And look, there's a great buzz in the county. Our 20 footballers won Ireland a couple of years ago. The minors beaten last year, but in our mind, they're the All-Ireland champions. And uh, back here today, it's another step. And it's a long way to go, but it's all it's all stepping stones. And it's going to take a, num- it's going to take a number of years. Um, but I've no doubt all of these lads and there's a big panel as there lads that can start it they're all the same they're all really interested and you'd be used to that as a Kenny having a year in your up so we have to build on that we, we next year need lads and the year after and the year after that's what we're that's what we're trying to put those structures in place that this will continue into the future well it certainly will continue into the future is it a bittersweet moment though because it's great to win a Leinster title and everything and the lads will be delighted but unfortunately because they're a combined team they can't go any further now onto the All-Ireland series when you look at it it's a bit stupid but that's the rule book unfortunately well, well, look at it probably was designed maybe against maybe like the Dublin schools who are a big county you know I'd imagine if they could bend the rules that they wouldn't mind the Offaly team going forward now you know but look that's the way it is Uh, that's the reality the lads have had a tough a lot of the lads are in they're all obviously in individual schools they're, they're playing football and hurling a lot and the likes of Clash the Column and Tullamore were beaten yesterday in the Leinster A semi-final by two points by Nace Dan Burke was playing wing forward today scored three or four points he was playing a full game yesterday you know so they've had a lot going on for the last couple of months so in a way maybe the, the few lads are still involved with borders involved with Carmichael like they can go back to their own schools now and try to win the Leinster B or win the All-Ireland and the under-20s can get on with their preparation for the championship as well so look they've had a heavy schedule so maybe in one way it's no harm we have to mention one particular individual as well you got a bit of bad news there before Christmas your minor goalkeeper from last year who would normally be playing on this team young Liam Hoare had a, a bit of bad news just before Christmas so we want to send our best wishes to him because we know he's going through a bit of treatment at the minute yeah look at uh, terrible shock for Liam and his family he's a fine young lad he's there he saw him there part of the presentation of the cup he's been with the lads every step of the way he never missed a training session since um, he has uh, he has a, a form of lymphoma and uh, he started came on last Tuesday but a smile on his face there that, that's unbelievable that, as wide as the mouth of the Shannon as, where we're from down in Offaly uh, with a great attitude and I asked him how, what was the prognosis I meant for his treatment so I'll be back in July he was talking about hurling he wasn't talking about anything else so he's a fantastic young lad and, and, and he would have been in goals there he's a great goalie he's, he's going to have a long career with Offaly and please God he's, look everything works out for him and that's the main thing but um, this will give him a massive boost today the same as it gave and his family and all of us as well Michael thanks a million for talking to us and best to look for the year as well thanks very much thanks for the great reception as always we get to Kenny thank you very much Brian Dowlin disappointment for Cairdens College losing out to the combined Offaly schools give us your override thoughts after the match I look disappointed I suppose it was in the melting pot there at the end and 
we had a couple of chances, we three or four chances of points and it went wide and got blocked down for another one. So look, it could have went extra time there. I thought we probably just about deserved extra time, but look, fair play to Offaly, they're an excellent team. We knew coming in today with a huge challenge, you know, they, they have uh, everyone in Offaly to pick from, I suppose, under 19. And we, we saw them last year, Ben Minor, we know how good they are. And the subs coming in there, as good as the lads on the starting 15. So look, we're very proud of the lads. And um, look, we just have to lick our wounds now and, and move on to the quarterfinal in two weeks. I know you don't make excuses, but you were certainly hampered coming into it with a loss of a couple of key guys before the match today. Yeah, look, we were down four starters, you know, and you look at Harry Shine and Ben Whitley, supposed to start of the year, we would look at them as our, our two main forwards, our two leaders up there, and both of them have hamstring problems, so unfortunately they weren't available for us today, and we just hope to have them back in two weeks. Look, you want to be at full strength, but look, we had 15 players out on the pitch today, so we're not going to make excuses. Um, we're, just, we're very, very disappointed. We wanted to, to win the Leinster title this year, and we didn't, so but look, we, we have to back on the horse again next week and, and in the All-Ireland quarterfinal. You were right into it, up into the second half. The way it was puck out in the second goal for Offaly really sucked the momentum out of you at that stage. Yeah, it looks was disappointing the goal going in, but look, these things happen. Um, Steve Minogue has been unbelievable for us all year, and as he was today, he saved another goal. And look, it was a disappointing thing, it was a simple mistake, but look, these things happen. And you know, in fairness, the lads stay going to the, to the final whistle, and that's all we ask. And look, we, we have to just get going again and get back to training on Tuesday now and try working what went wrong today and, and try to put it right. As you said, disappointment not to win the Leinster title, but still there going forward into the All-Ireland quarter-final series now as you said in two weeks time so at least uh, another chance getting to an All-Ireland Brian Yeah look and thankfully today is not the end of it Um, you know we've been with these lads for a couple of years now and we've had some uh, cruel defeats so look we have to just get back on the horse now and we're we're good enough to be in this competition and we'll give it everything we have and hopefully the horse today will drive us on to better days in in the next couple of weeks Okay, well thanks Brian best luck in the quarter-final Thanks Martin Niall, um, a win is a win. Uh, three points out of a possible four. And as Carol, a manager, I suppose you would have to be happy. Probably a few things didn't go your way in the first half, but at the same time, you led at halftime. Yeah, no, we did. And I suppose there was a little bit of panic in our play. And just with Willie Quinn here beside me, you needed someone like Willie with a calm head just to calm things down up front. Uh, and in fairness, Dara Foley did that in the second half. He showed his experience to calm things down. Uh, same with Conor Crowley, Ross Dunphy. We tried to force it too much because we had a little bit of a breeze. Um, and by doing that we give away cheap ball and get them oxygen then to turn us back over um, and they controlled the game for periods of that game and you know um, I thought some of the frees they got were very very harsh but at the end of it look uh, I thought we regrouped well in the second half Brendan and um, you know we kicked on and I suppose 15 minutes into the second half maybe 20 we were 7 points up um, and then we two goal chances and missed them to put them outside um, and in fairness to Claude back again to bring it back to 4 uh, but we always kept the 4 or 5 ahead and controlled the game after that well, You always said to Willie it's important to keep a 2 score lead you did you went to 5 and in fairness they pulled it back um, you got a second goal chance everybody thought was in it hit the underside of the bar it wasn't in but overall looking at the game probably indisciplined in the first half you gave them a lot of frees and, but that improved greatly is that something you spoke to the lads about at half time? Yeah absolutely and even against Wicklow we were you know I think we had seven or eight frees as well silly frees but I think we just have to play the way the ref is refing as well so he wasn't like any of them little grabs he was given frees especially our end anyway um, but look 
I suppose it's something we have to work on for the leash game and in fairness the second half they were way more in control but I think too Brendan we, we let them dictate the game a small bit in the first half you know, letting them have it um, and we pressed up in their kickouts more so in the second half which I suppose gave us more energy and more oxygen and the other thing was we kept bringing the ball down the middle in the first half and they were well set up in fairness um, when you bring the ball down the middle like that there's only going to be one winner and that's the opposition so you know we decided to I suppose keep it wider switch to play better and come off at real pace from the wings rather than coming from pace through the centre uh, but yeah look it was um, it was I suppose a pleasing performance but um, it won't be enough to beat Leash um, you know Leash in fairness would feel they should be in Division 2 themselves um, but uh, look we're looking forward to that game in two weeks time I think there'll be a big crowd there now with the local rivalries you know there will be a big crowd but overall the younger players like Dara just mentioned on his post-match interview also you know they blended in well you said that you changed around a few things it did work well in the second half and your changes worked well and I know you had to be careful because you had a few yellow cards and you got caught I think um, Young Dial probably I wasn't there last week according to Willie the second yellow card was harsh and you know you're down to 14 again if that happens so you, you had to be cute as the banished door yeah absolutely and we were just about to take Dyler off last week and um, we knew he was under pressure just another foul he was off um, but yeah look we just have to be a little bit more uh, I suppose smarter in our tackling um, and I, I think if we do that next week against Leash uh, we won't be far off I, I don't think the Watford um, I, I don't have his name here but I don't think their free taker missed any free no he was excellent the midfielder um, Brian Lynch Brian Lynch yeah so I think he maybe got maybe 9 or 10 frees uh, and he was excellent on them so you're going to get punished at this level but look with three points on the board and uh, looking forward to two weeks time now the leash game is a big one and it's the one we need to have three points going into um, there's no point in having two you need to you know when they come to Carlo we need to beat them and we need to make sure that we go ahead of them in the league table then that's what it's all about a few good matches coming up but you'll take one step at a time but the fact you've won tonight three out of possible four Carlo are going to be in this league now till the bitter end because you lose here tonight you're in serious trouble you're hanging by a thread but you're not you're well in the league now Niall yeah look we, we finished with three points last year in the league um, yeah. so that's where we are now but I think this group is coming on uh, Brendan uh, they're, they're good lads they're, they're getting better and there's better. a great unity with this panel isn't there ah there is yeah they're, they're good they're you know I suppose look we had to rebuild from last year um, the last two years I suppose because all the senior players were just the wrong end of 30 and had given Carlo everything they could so it was you know it was I suppose it was time for a new batch of players to come in and now you see them you know um, the only one really left there is Dara maybe Jordan came in the tail end of that and Connor Doyle um, but like you know these are all new players but um, look I think we are getting better and better um, and I, I, I just think the atmosphere in, in Carlo last week certainly got us over the line I think we've unbelievable supporters uh, in terms of driving the whole thing on and Carlo supporters are very realistic uh, but I think they're realistic to know now that we do have um, I think we have a great opportunity to get out of this division um, and Leash are in the way now in two weeks time it so, won't be simple no it certainly won't and as I said Leash will feel they're a good division two team um, but look everyone's in division four for a reason and um, so 
we're looking forward to playing Leash because that's what certainly let us know where we're at yeah and as Willie said and we all know this now from experience working on Division 4 matches on any given week any team can beat the other and we've, we've seen that in the past yeah look and I was petrified coming down here because Waterford there's always a big game in them and I remember when I was here with them before we played we'd lost our first four games and we played Leitrim who were unbeaten uh, and we beat them by seven points when I was here at Waterford so that's what to do and they'll turn anyone over I mean Sligo got out by winning by a pint here last year and um, Waterford played with 12 men for the last 15 minutes Waterford tonight were very well set up uh, they were look I mean uh, Efi and, and Peter Leahy have done an awful they've done a great job and they're two passionate men about football they're on the scene a long long time they know what they're about so these were always going to be well coached and um, look we're happy to come out with a four point win and um, just really chomping at the bit now for Leash in two weeks time OK before I do let you go you have what you have panel wise there's no real serious injury worries or anything like that is there? No Shane Clark is back now he was working away in Germany so he's back and Dara O'Brien will be back uh, probably in two weeks as well probably not right for the Leash game uh, but after that he'll be back as well so there's two big experienced players to come back with us and we've no injuries touch wood um, and that's that's a little bit of luck you need, you know. Training Tuesday night would be a good spot to be. Three hour four in Ireland, onwards and upwards, leash next to Netwatch Cullen Park. Yeah, absolutely, Brendan. But like just listening to you know yourself and, and Willie and everyone the last couple of years, you've been very realistic about where Carlo are at. Uh, you could be dogging us in the last two years, but you're not. You're giving these boys great support. And like, don't think for a minute that uh, that doesn't uh, count when it comes to supporters. It does. And it's your energy as well on the radio to drive the whole thing on. Um, that counts a hell of a lot in two weeks' time when we play a leash. Well, I live in Greg Holland, so you'll be bother with me in a few weeks' yeah. time. <laughs> anyway, I've always been with Carlo, and we give it a rattle anyway. I'm in a no-win situation and a no-lose situation <laughs> the next day out. Well, if it's any consolation, we're, I, I'm probably in the middle of there, but um, put this way, I wouldn't be putting the leash jersey on me. <laughs> well, listen, thanks for tonight, and uh, well done on the two wins, Niall. And uh, I better shout for you, because one of your good friends is having his tea with me every morning anyway, so I better be shouting for you the next oh, yeah. day anyway. We look forward to the leash match. We actually look forward to bringing all the games and we can let the listeners know we will be in London also with KCLR so thanks for that Thanks Brent out of the way it's time to turn our attention to a really good day yesterday for the Carlos Senior Footballers they won their second Allianz National Football League Division 4 game of the year on a scoreline of 111 to 10 points at the SETU Arena that leaves them with 3 points from their opening 2 games and I'm delighted to say that I'm now joined on the line by Carlo Legend and Casey Law's own Willie Quinlan Willie how are you this afternoon? Afternoon, Robbie. Not too bad at all. Um, Willie, just to reflect on yesterday's game I suppose first of all a really good result for Carlo. Yeah, great result. Um, got off to a good start. Kicked, kicked a nice couple of points early. Um, kind of built on on what they had, the way they had finished uh, last weekend. Uh, positive, very positive things was last weekend they had ten wides. I'm looking at the stats there today. They had only two wides yesterday. So uh, from that point of view, really good. They kept fifteen on the field, which which we talked about as well, which is really important. Uh, worked really, really hard. Got some great scores. Neil Hickey in the middle scored one one. Uh, getting forward, you know, the Dara Foley kicked six or seven points. Uh, I think one from play, a couple of frees as well. So they really limited Watford to not that many scoring chances. I suppose the one, the one I suppose negative was they gave away a lot of a lot of frees, and seven of Watford's free, eight actually from Waterford scores out of ten came from frees. So that's just something that they have to look at and 
you know, in around the, the scoring area, they don't need to be giving away them. Them, uh, they're handy enough frees, you know, in around the D. And in fairness to the midfielder Brian Lynch, you know, he took advantage of them all. He kicked it eight points altogether, seven coming from frees. But good afternoon, they won by four points. They're probably seven or eight points the better team. They missed a goal and a point later on, hit the crossbar. But you'd have to say, you know, it's two points what they went looking for, and that's what they got, Robbie. And is that what it's all about for Carlo at the moment, Willie, just to get the points on the board and see where that leaves them um, further into the league? Yeah, definitely. The more points you pick up, especially early on, the last thing you want to do after four or five games, looking at your league situation and say, well, the league is over for us because, you know, it's it's so demoralising then you're turning up for games and you know they're, they're a dead rubber. And it's very difficult to get yourself up for a game. Like the crowd was buzzing again yesterday in the same last, Saturday evening, as you've seen yourself um, on commentary, we had a big crowd there, probably the biggest we had in Netwatch Gunner Park for the first round of the Alliance League in, in a long, long time. Good following there yesterday as well. So the more games you can win, the more support you're going to get. It, it gives a buzz to everybody around around the place and uh, all positive for, for Carlo yesterday. Some very, very good scores. And, uh, you know, we've lots of pace, lots of power. And we, we said in the commentary last weekend, coming from the half-forward line and the half-back line, um, Shane Boogie then the full back line and Michael, Mikey Bambrick and Darrell Corn had really good games they have so much pace you know they can nearly afford to leave that space at the back because if, if they're turned over they're able to cover the ground really quickly and also when they turn it over themselves the likes of Josh Moore and uh, uh, Jamie Clark getting up front uh, Jordan Mercy is the same they're well able to cover ground and yeah, Connor Crowley I have to say even though looking at the stats he got no score yesterday but the amount of times he got on the ball and turned and, and ran at the Waterford defence. He just caused all sorts of problems. They pulled him down, I think, for four of Dara Fordy's frees. And um, he, he seemed to be involved in a lot of stuff that's going on. Uh, Ross Dunphy, the same, kicked the point. Uh, works, the work rate is incredible for, from the three guys inside, and uh, it's brilliant to see. And they're improving you know, in, in every game, and, and uh, well may it continue. Yeah, and well may it continue for the Carlo Ladies footballers too. They're currently four seven to one four up in their first Division Four game of the Alliance of the National Little Ireland National Football League, I should say. So a good victory for them if they do hold on there at Netwatch Cullen Park. Uh, just back to the men's side of things, Willie. Something that I noticed on commentary last weekend in the draw against Wicklow in the opening round is that there's a really clear style of play for Carlo. You mentioned the pace there. It seems to be about getting the the fast players on the ball, getting it up the pitch really quickly, and then if there's nothing on that they hit a re- not an aimless ball but you know a good direct ball into Dara Foley and get runners off that seems to be how they got the goal Niall Hickey got the goal yesterday yeah de- definitely and they tried a couple of uh, against Wicklow as well long ball into Dara uh, they're trying to isolate him one on one he's a big strong physical player when he gets in front he can either win his own ball and, and knock it down no, he, did, he knocked down the ball to himself uh, yesterday evening and gave Niall Hickey a great ball and Niall Hickey in fairness to him popped it into the right into the bottom corner was a great goal we were unlucky for a second goal as well hit, hit the crossbar but uh, you can see the, the intensity is is way up compared to what the way we used to be playing as soon as the uh, if if we were on a free or on a sideline the ball has moved really really quickly because the pace that we have we're, we're able to get players up and down that field you know at, at pace and that's the way the game has gone uh, you're trying to get the ball into the full forward lane as quickly as you can, not to allow obviously Water to set yesterday and uh, you know get their, all their backs behind the ball. Because in fairness, Water were very defensive. They were always going to be the conceded three eighteen in the previous match, uh, previous week against Leitrim. So that's the way they set up. They set up one in the fo- in the forward lane, 
dropping 13 and the goalkeeper uh, as many times as they can. When they came forward and they were turned over, that's when Carlo uh, really drove at them. And the power in the pace really shows when the, when Carlo turned over the ball. Good carriers of the ball. And uh, it's just about you know cutting down on the amount of fouls that are given away on the amount of wides which they did yesterday they, coming from 10 to down to 2 so it, it, it's all positive for them and you can really see that they're gelling together uh, they're working together for, for Niall we spoke to him yesterday Brendan interviewed, Brendan interviewed him after the game and he's a very positive guy and he, he you know he talks highly of all the players and it uh, it just bodes good for Carlo going forward in the next couple of league matches yeah, we'll be hearing that interview with Carlo manager Niall Carew. Uh, he caught up with Brendan after the game. We'll be hearing it very shortly. But just looking forward now, Willie, and it's something that I, I noted yesterday as well, the next game is probably against the favourites to promote in the form of Leash. That's a home tie this day, two weeks. Um, and then after that, it's two away games against London and Leitrim. It seems like they're going to be league-defining games for them, the next three. Yeah, and certainly not not easy the way Leitrim and Leash have started. Leash had a great win last weekend against Sligo, and obviously Leitrim beaten Waterford very convincingly. It's a long, long time, Robbie, since Carlo have beaten uh, Leash. I think, I think actually it could go back to maybe twenty five years. I think I actually could have been playing myself in a Bourne Cup match in Port Arlington, beaten by a point. I think Mark Mark Carpenter kicked the winning point, and that's a long, long time. So Leash have. The voodoo over Carlo for a number of years. Beat them a couple of times in the when Carlo were promoted a couple of years ago. Beat them in the league. Uh, went along. Beat them in the 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 final of the league in in Croke Park and beat them in the championship. So three times nearly in the one year. Uh, so it, it is it is a big ask for Carlo. And it, it, the only thing is it is at home. Carlo totally different setup and and Leash the same. So if they can get over the Leash match and get something from it, you'd have to give them a really big chance. Because uh, they're definitely going to be upsets in it. Like uh, Waterford could turn over somebody. Wexford only drew with London last weekend. So uh, you'd have to go Leach and Leitrim probably favourites at the minute to to be promoted as we drop the point. But we're still well in it, and that's what it's all about: being in it in the final two games. That gives you it gives you a big chance and a big boost, uh, I suppose, coming into your your championship period, Bobby. And do you think Willie? You know, Niall Carew's been in charge for some time now. I think this is his fourth season in charge of the Carlos senior footballers in total. Do you think what we're seeing is, you know, bearing the fruits of patience for a manager? That there's a clear style of play, as I said. I, th- I think most Carlo supporters would agree with me when I say that. And that what we're actually seeing is a manager that's getting the best out of his players individually and collectively as of right now, even though I know, of course, it is very early in the season. Yeah, well, definitely you can see it. I mean, the, the amount of players that, that Carlo turned over in the last four or five years, it's, it's just incredible to think that, you know, we're competing back, back where we are, where we are, you know, beating Watford yesterday should have beat Wicklow. So it's it's definitely patience. And he spoke about that in an interview there uh, a week ago himself. It's about the players having patience because some guys come into a, a set-up, Robbie, and they think, you know, this is inter-county and I, I should be starting this straight away. I should be on the team or should be getting game time. It takes time to embed into an intercounty setup, both physically, you know, mentally and football wise. So it's 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 not something that happens overnight and it's after taking Niall a couple of years to, to get this going, you know, he's he's doing really, really well with the amount of young guys that he have, which is the future looks really, really bright bright. We've a lot of guys that are twenty one, twenty, um, I know Shane Boogie there is is only nineteen very, very young. Guy's only 23, 24. Dara Foley, as we do speak about the, the oldest man on the field, he's around a long, long time, but he, 
he's still very very fit he's playing uh, playing a great role in the full forward line comes out in odd time to win balls around the middle of the field but he spoke after the game he's really really enjoying it he loves the pace that's coming we say often with the, the younger guys and uh, he, you know he really brings them into the game so it's it's a new setup uh, in regards of, of players wise but it does take patience it does take time and sometimes guys don't give it that time you know the, the two or three years that you need to get into a team lads want to be on a team straight away and it's just it just doesn't happen and for some guys uh, two or three years is not is too long for them and they end up dropping off that's why you have a big turnover in players so if he can keep the players that are there and keep building and keep adding to the younger players coming along it's it's a couple of years down the line that we might see the, the fruits of what he's done in the last couple of years Robbie. and just before I let you go Willie we're very early doors as I said three points from two games should Carlos supporters be getting excited is there a promotion push on or do you just take a one game at a time at the moment no I wouldn't be getting too excited at the minute Robbie after two games with three points uh, we, we could have had the four we were very unlucky last weekend but we have three that's where we are so it is very early Carlos supporters will know themselves they are, they're a patient bunch you know they give great support especially when a team is going well and you can see them they will get behind the team but very very early days uh, we just need to have have that patience like I suppose Niall is having and he, he spoke about uh, myself and Brendan I suppose giving them being positive with, with guys and the uh, players can feed off that as well. If they see positivity, you know, rather than being negative all the time, if they see play, you know, uh, supporters and the media being patient with them, well, it it come back comes back to you in twofold, and you can see that uh, with this bunch. Yeah, we are being patient with them. We are giving them the time, but they're giving us the performances in the in the last couple of games, and that's all we can ask for is a game by game try and get you know your point or your two points over game. Uh, see as many as you can build up and, and see where you are in the last couple of matches and if you're still there hopefully they can give it everything and get that final push that they will need Robbie Yeah welcome back to Scoreline with myself Robbie Dowling now at the top of the hour we're going to turn our attention to Carlo Hurling because it was a disappointing result in the Allianz National League Division 2A opener for Tom Mullally's side yesterday. They lost by 25 points to 11 at Netwatch Cullen Park as they look ahead to next weekend's trip to Kerry to try and get their league campaign back on track. I'm now joined by Carlo legend and Casey Law analyst Terence Kelly to chat about yesterday's game and look ahead to the rest of the league for the Barrow Siders. Terence, how are you? I'm glad, Robbie. How are you? Yeah, all good, all good. Terence, yesterday, it wasn't the best of days for the Carlo Hurlers. Yeah, well, you know, most score lines tells its own story and 25 points to 11 is, uh, is a bit of a beating, like, you know. But, you know, if you were to analyse it, they were very, very understrength, Carlo. I know we had 15 players and we had another 10 subs, but, you know, as I said, there's some of the prime names in Carlo Hurling weren't available for yesterday. And, uh, and, you know, hopefully, you know, we get a back short between injuries and between held up with colleges matches one thing and another. And Manchap, he had a family wedding. So, you know, it's one of those things. But, uh, you know, Kildare were good. Kildare were after winning their 11th uh, match on the track yesterday. So, you know, just speaking with uh, David Harrison beforehand, and like, they're very, very focused. And, you know, and, uh, but, you know, as I said, Carlo, as I said, Carlo, they had a very young team. And to make things even worse, the last ball, Richard Cody and Kieran Whedon with, uh, with two hamstrings early in the game, like, and uh, you know you could do without that, you know, considering you whether we're missing so many other players. Yeah, you certainly could. It was just a day of very bad luck, I suppose, for the Carlo hurlers. But if we were to go beyond that and look at the reasons for the defeat, 
Terence, the game just seemed to get away from them as it went on. Obviously, my focus was on the Kilkenny side of things here, but they were playing Antrim. What yeah. happened to Carlo that they couldn't remain competitive, I suppose, throughout the game? Because it just seemed to limp over the line really more than anything else, and there, there yeah. wasn't much to it at the end. No, there wasn't really. Like, you know, wind assist in the first half to within four points down, ten points to six. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and technically, I suppose, Kalea could have had a few more scores to play the short ball an awful lot of times and maybe broke down with the last pass. But, like, Kalea was by far the better team. Their body language, you know, suggests that they were up for it. As I said, you know, win, ten wins one after the other before yesterday, you know, makes people very tuned in and uh, you know as I said we're very focused and on the day as I said Carlo were missing some vital calls but you know nevertheless uh, after half time Carlo had a great chance of a goal uh, uh, Kieran Kavanagh he got this ball inside his man and it was an absolute top class save like from from Paddy McKenna in the Kadir goal top class like you know had I got that you know there was only a point and I missed the point after that but you know in the second half they know Kildare just drew away if that goal saw its and point had to come, there would have been very little in it. But the Kildare were by far the dominant team in the second half and the forwards found it very, very difficult, you know, to make any inroads. John Olin picked up a couple of points, uh, young O'Toole got a point, Jack Tracy got a point, but you know, as I said, like the defensively, uh, Kildare were very, very strong and, you know, they looked very, very good on the day and uh, you know, but uh, you know, there was no answer to it only, you know, with the scoring kinda of tells its own story. Yeah, it really does. What needs to happen for Carlo to get back on track, do you think, Terence? Well, it's technically not knocking the players they had yesterday, like they tried some young lesson, you know, they tried their best. What technically like they need to get, they're probably missing eight or nine players that would be in your top 12 players, you know, in the county on the day. It just happened out that way. What happens, we definitely need to get back some of them fairly quick. And I know there's injuries catching up with a few, and there's a few kind of cut with colleges. And uh, so, technically, you know, if things go wrong next weekend, well, the league is kind of more or less finished, and you're kind of hoping to have a good response uh, for the Joe Mac. And the Joe Mac starts the 8th the eight or 9th of April, like, you know, to play Kildare again, and they can end their way to Kerry again, and have Leash, and to have Down, and to have Offley. So, it's, it's not simple, but as it is, like, to play Kerry next weekend, and then to have Down at home, and to have Offley away, and to have Derry at home. but no, as I said, if they beat next weekend, like their league is kind of in tatters as such. So hopefully, hopefully, like things might improve. Hopefully, like they'll have three or four doors players maybe back next weekend. Like there's some injuries, and there's some people only coming back from injuries. And hopefully, like you know, things can things can pick up. But you know, they can't be as those were yesterday because we had so many top class players unavailable. If they were. You know, next week I know they're they're going for the win, but if it they didn't come out on top, and you would have to say that maybe Kerry are favourites going into that game, given the amount of players that Carlo are missing, how important is it that they reset, refocus, and have some sort of form and have a really good structure in place heading into the Joe McDonough Cup? Because of course that is their priority this year anyway, irrespective of how the league goes. But you you know you would worry. I know it's you know it's it's two months out, but that can go very very quickly without anything improving. Is it really imperative now that they find a way to be in good fettle heading into the Joe Mac? Well, sure it is. Like after the first game in the in the Kehoe Cup, they were beaten. I think it was seventeen points or fifteen or seventeen points by Kildare up uh, up in Kildare, and come back then and uh, absolutely hammered awfully and had a good victory over down up in uh, that was played up in Dublin, and they also carved up a victory over Mead. Now, you know, things are starting to come back on track, but 
you know, going back to it again, it's the, the amount of injuries and the amount of players that are unavailable, but just, you know, it was unfortunate for him. But as you said, like, it's very, very important. Like, if they're beaten next week, like, their, like their league is in, you know, is in tethers. And uh, they have to focus then, as I said, Kildare again. Now, technically, I think if we had the full team against Kildare in the first round in Carlo, it would be a different game, big time, I would imagine, like, you know. But, uh, no, as I said, it's, the, the conveyor belt is not dropping off that many players in Carlo. It's a small county, a small amount of clubs. And the lads, you know, the lads that are missing are vital because the chaps that were played yesterday tried their heart out, but on the day, like, a team going for 11 victories on the trot, you know, they're more focused, they're physically, they're, like, their body language, you know, would tell you, um, Robbie, you know, that, uh, you know, that they were very tuned in. And just to speak with David Hurt, you know, spoke with him for a good while. He's very focused man, like, you know, and, uh, you know, things are going very, very well for him. Yeah, we'll have a quick chat about Kildare um, briefly, Terence, but just to stick with the Carlo side of things, was Kildare nearly the worst game that Carlo could have had in the opening round of the league? In the sense that a lot of people that maybe don't have their focus on, you know, Division 2A or the Joe McDonough Cup, whatever it may be, would have thought Carlo over the last couple of years have been stronger than Kildare and such, because they're at home, they'll probably come out at the top in that game. And they wouldn't have known that Kildare had been on such a good run, like you mentioned. And they also wouldn't have been informed about the fact Carlo have been missing so many players. So if you just take the result in isolation, it seems like a really poor one for Carlo. And maybe people can pile on because of that but the reasons for that are, are far and wide and I think that's important I think for people to know it isn't it? Well it's true of course like you know as I said that uh, uh, like as we're saying that uh, Carla had some very very talented hurlers and uh, you know and for many years like Ben Kildare was uh, well we had at least 50% of the victories if not more over the last 10 or 15 years like you know Carla hurled Carlo Hurd generally got the better off Kildare, but now for the last three or four meetings, it has been reversed, you know, big time, like, you know. But, uh, no, I'd say the main focus, when you have the like of Marty Cadna, like, and Chris, and, Chris and you know, Dear McBurn and James Dye, like, those are household names. You know, when you were missing the like of those, and the new kids in the block, like, Conor Cahill and Paddy Ball, and like, you know, those are big, you know, those are big names. Jack Cavanagh has given them an awful lot of service. Like, and just on the day that all, all of those were unavailable, it made things very, very difficult. It's hugely important, you know, to can folks now under Joe Mac and, uh, you know, and technically, if they had most of those back, I think they'd give it a right go. But, uh, you know, as I said, next week they're going down to Kerry, nobody will give them a chance. It's difficult to see him going down and you know, given the performers, I don't know how many players will be back. I don't know how many of those are available on Sunday. And uh, no, as I said, like we have to kind of really hope that things can, you know, come back together anyway. And uh, you know, hopefully, you know, things can work, you know, work out some, you know, somewhat better. Like now, there were some good performances yesterday too. Paul Dyler thought in the poor backline, thought he was excellent. Brian Tracy had one outstanding save to make. Uh, Kevin McDonald hurled very, very well at centre back. The midfield partnership probably broke clear. And young John Nolan, Kieran Wheel had started well. Uh, John picked over two points, and uh, Kieran had started very, very well before he got injured. Like Jack Tracy took a score well. Jake Day got a few chances, and on another day, like you know, like well, there would have been scores, but on the day, they just didn't work out for him. And uh, no, like you have to blow the player, like the young players, some players. But, uh, no, as I said, it was a bad day in the office yesterday and, you know, facts are facts. Yeah, they are. And the fact is also that Kerry, of course, 
got the victory or Kildare that is rather Kerry of course coming up next week um, for the Carlos Senior Hurlers David Hurd he's in charge of Kildare he's been over them the last couple of years done great work got them back up to Division um, 2A and also now they won the Christy Ring Cup meaning they'll be playing Joe McDonough Cup hurling in 2023 um, as you say I think that was their 11th straight victory or 11 unbeaten yesterday at Netwatch Cullen Park how good a side are Kildare and how much of a prospect is it for them to maybe have a promotion push? Well, it's true. Like you know, as I said, they started yesterday, like with their number, with their with their top fullback, like and Connor Bourne, kind of fit in for him, and uh, he looked very, very well. Now, the fullback came in towards the last quarter of an hour. Declan Flaherty at full forward, he didn't start. They were just kind of watching somebody else, and he was carrying a bit of a niggling injury. He was as great like Cahal Dowell and Cahal came in and got a couple of points and then Declan came in towards the end and got his own couple of scores. But how good are they? Like their, their body language suggests they're a very, very fit team, a very, very focused team. And, uh, you know, they're still, they're still missing a couple of players from Nace, apparently. And speaking now with David Herity, you know, very, very shrewd man, very, very nice fellow. And he was just kind of saying, you know, they're hoping for a good run. But uh, I Kildare, like the Kildare, like the Kildare team are not too bad. And, uh, you know, nobody will want to take him as a handy touch for years. Like, you know, Carla had good results skin him, but, you know, with, with the wheel has turned big time. Yeah, it has. And I spoke to David Hurley last year on Scoreline about a range of topics, Kilkenny, his time as a player, whatever it may be. But I also spoke to him about managing Kildare. And one thing he constantly emphasised in the interview and that he reinforced consistently was the fact that the importance of having Kildare's best hurlers in a Kildare jersey for the Kildare senior inter-county team. Is that where the gap was yesterday? That Carlo ultimately didn't have their best players playing for the Carlo senior hurlers, whereas in contrast, Kildare did and ultimately that's why there was a 14 point margin between the sides Well it's true like, but if you look at if you just think back to the Nace Ballyhill game at half time uh, technically on the balance of play two wonderful sales from Mason and Gold for Ballyhill and uh, Nace had nine wides to Ballyhill's three technically like on the run of play like Nace could have been up eight or nine points against probably the best team in club hurling ever and uh, there was a huge percentage of Nace players there now yesterday. As I said, hurling in Kildare is on and up. And, uh, you know, it's on and up. And like, when you have a team, the same as Nace, kind of carrying the flag for you, putting in such a performance like, against probably the juggernaut of club hurling, you know, it kind of, you know, gives you, gives you the kind of ideas, you know, to, you know, where we can go further here. And, uh, no, like Kildare are not so bad. Kildare are quite good. And David Herty seems to be in complete control with them. Like everybody seems to be very, very focused. I was down in their camp there for maybe 15 minutes yesterday. And not just aside, like, you know, they seem to be really, really tuned in. And listen, Kildare are good. They're a good team. And just looking ahead now for Carlo before I let you go. Terence, um, what can they make out of this league? Obviously, probably it all lies on Kerry next weekend if they're to have any yeah. chance of promoting. But what what's the main thing that, that needs to come out of Division 2A for Tom Mullally and his men? Oh, well, listen, if they're beaten next weekend, like their league is technically over. Like They have tried to blood a few young players and they've got on very well. But like the main emphasis, we can keep going back to it until the cows come home. Like they have lost... Unfortunately, so many players, you know, gone for, gone, you know, gone for the first, for, like for the first game in the league. A couple of injuries, a couple of people caught up at colleges, and uh, you know, as I said, had a man with a family wedding, yes, the vital cog in the wheel. Like those things happened out all in the one day, and uh, as I said, next weekend is a big weekend. But 
like if they can get everybody back and uh, kind of focus then like they have to have a difficult trip to go away to Offaly to have it said down at home in the next match after next weekend and then to have and have Derry at home but no like Joe Mack is the big one then like and the first one is against Caleri in Carlo the 8th or 9th of April so listen you have to hope for the best as I said Caleri are on a high at the present time and uh, but like the Joe Mack won't be easy either you have Kerry and Leash and down and off in it also but as I said the main emphasis is trying to get back out players everybody like you know Everybody like the Compaq got back like we'll have some big names in the county like and it's just it's just unfortunate, really unfortunate like you know, they all happened to be missing like the one weekend. Yeah, it certainly was. Well listen, we'll keep the hope on you returns. We'll look forward to next weekend's game against Kerry and looking forward to hearing yourself and Brendan Hennessy on commentary duty in Tralee. Thanks so much for chatting to me today. Not at all. Thanks, Robbie, for everything. All right. Brilliant all stuff. Right, that you, is Terence Kelly there giving us all the insight on Carlos' disappointing 11 points to 25 defeat to Kildare yesterday in their opening round Allianz National Hurling League Division 2A game at Netwatch Cullen Park. But of course, there's plenty of games to go, and a bad start doesn't mean it'll finish poorly for Tom Mullally's men. After the break, we'll have a little bit of music, and hopefully, hopefully, we'll be catching up with former Irish fly half Mick Quinn again. So fingers crossed for that. Now I'm delighted to be joined by three-time All-Ireland winner Andy Comfort to look ahead to the new season for Kilkenny and reflect on his time as O'Loughlin Gales manager. Andy, how are you? Grand Robbie, how are you? Good, good, good. Um, just looking forward to the league for Kilkenny, Andy. What will the aim be for them? Is it just to go out and win it or is it about unearthing new players and taking the results with a pinch of salt? Uh, I'd say, listen, well, with a young team like this, I think you want to get a winning mentality into them, get as many big games into players. Like, I suppose you want to tick a lot of boxes if you can look, I suppose, look into the future and say, where do you want to be come, say, the 31st of April, 1st of May? Where do you want your players to be? Who You want to test as many of them players. And, like, you can't beat the league for testing them. Like, obviously, we're going out to win every game. Every team is going out to win every game. But I suppose you have to kind of look three months down the line and say, like, is he going to be a full-back? Is he going to be a centre-back? Is he going to be two midfielders that we can lean on and can take the pressure? Have we a centre-forward and have we a full-forward? I think we need to establish that. The lads will go out to establish a backbone of the team within the league and and, um, they're going to get very very big tests you know in front of big crowds and you kind of know where you stand after that I suppose in, in, uh, by the 1st of May you're going to go have these guys got the capabilities of doing it you know and is it important do you think for Derek Ling and his management team that they have a strong league campaign so that they don't come into the championship under too much pressure or how do you think he'll see that well listen the league is different to now to now to we say 8 or 10 years ago obviously it was a couple of years ago there Watford won the league were dumped out in the first round of the championship so like different dynamics can take a big hit to a team you get a couple of good players injured Robbie and listen you know if they're, you're one to 15 players and you've played them in the league and next thing you've you've gone through the league got to a semi-final final learnt a lot about the team but next thing you could get a couple of injuries so you kind of have to use your bench it's a, it's a panel of 
torpy players so you're going to have to know listen we weigh up a team this day we play that team now we try different things and say listen everyone is singing singing off the one hymn sheet all the players know what's involved they all want to make, make their, a place on the team for themselves which should lead to the spirit that you want within the team to say listen we're, we're all going out here pulling, all pulling together trying to get our place on the team that should be enough to get it over the line in a lot of the matches and obviously bigger matches um, will take a different a, a, a different dynamic in that derby matches you know you want to win them because the crowd you want to get the crowd on your side and you want to be successful against the Tipperaries and that but learning I think is the main thing it's not to, to be all and end all to win the league it's just to learn more about the team and get kind of a structure to the team and what way they're going to go about playing I suppose you know better than anyone, Andy, that success in Kilkenny is measured purely off silverware. You don't think that maybe he'll want to try and attack this league to get that first trophy under his belt. Uh, do you think it's just more so about taking it in his stride and then really focusing on the championship, as you say, come the first weekend in May? Yeah, listen, if it happens, it happens. I'd say that's the way it, way it is with the league. If it happens and it falls here and you get your quarter of points and you get to a final... Uh, like obviously you're not going to you're, you're you're going to take it if you get to a final you're going to go hammer and tongs for it but like I don't think it's the be all and end all obviously the Leinster Championship is the most important as it panned out last year like to win the Leinster Championship proved to be very very important because for the simple reason like we came in against Clare we were a fresh team Clare were after playing the round robin and they were flat on their feet come Crow Park and we, we got to a final by beating them well so obviously I'd say Clare were running now a petrol the be all and end all will be the Leinster Championship without I think they'll be mainly focused on getting to a Leinster final trying to win that and getting back to where they were last year and obviously Derek Ling is a man you know well given you won all Ireland's with him uh, for Kilkenny what do you think he'll bring to the job I suppose specific to his own personality listen I, it's well publicised he, he's going to bring a, a big work ethic like listen the under 20s they had no flair players they were a solid team you know all through the 15 tough tackling came through in tight matches this is all instilled by the management you know and I played with them these are the kind of lads they are they're going to put high emphasis I'd say on work ethic uh, playing for the team there's going to be no individuals uh, and if you go back to the profile of the under 20s that, that was like down in Carlo, they came under the cosh against, against Wexford against Galway won in extra time when they had no chance they came fought back these are the attributes that he's going to bring to it and they're positive, positive things that you know it's all about positivity and like the players are going to buy into it he's that kind of a guy he's positive he's a hard worker that's what we want and that's what and listen Kenny teams in the past probably had flair players but the backbone of all their victories in all Ireland was hard work you know and you go down to many the first all Ireland that Kenny were winning and minor and under 21 it was all about if you lost position as a corner forward you were going to tackle hook and let, not let the ball out these are our Kenny attributes and I'd say he's trying to instil them on what, what Kenny hurling is all about you know it's all about lose position you're going to have to tackle hard you're going to have to win back position and as a forward you just can't stand up and think that you're going to get the ball and play and put it over the bar 
not going to be about that I'd say under this regime I think you're going to have to work very very hard and uh, like Kenny style uh, any, any any team that were successful their first line of defence was in the in the in the forwards you know and his first game in Nolan Park of course will be against Tipperary next weekend in the league and something that you mentioned there were maybe that the derby games with the bigger crowds are, are important for him in the league with that in mind how important is it that Kilkenny supporters particularly remain patient with this management team because I can imagine he's under enough pressure stepping in after Brian Cody without Kilkenny people as well being on his back Listen, Kenny people know like the realist and they hurl them men anyway. You know you're going to get these lads, which I see coming into the game now, booing for freeze and all this. That's a kind of a soccer mentality. Listen, we have genuine hurling supporters in Kenny who love hurling and are purists. They know what hurling is about and they're not into this booing and all this baloney that's going on now in matches. Like that's not part of what Kenny hurling supporters are about. The Kenny supporters are purists. They realise that a team has to be built. They realise that it's going to take time. You know, you're going to get some lads that just can't, just only see the, the, see the game for what it is. But like, genuine hurling people can see three, four, five games down the line. Is this guy, you know, he's learning and the players are learning, the team is learning, the team is developing. And that's what it's all about. We have to go back, I suppose, to last year's final and say, listen, where did it go wrong? It went wrong a little bit. One puck of the ball in it, we're not far away. We have a great chance. Obviously, other teams had to redevelop their game. <clears throat> redeveloped their game because Kilkenny were so successful they had to introduce different tactics I don't think I think Kilkenny style we should stick to our style of hurling and say right listen we're good ball players we can retain possession we can move around we can get scores these are attributes that only Kilkenny players have and I think the genuine genuine Kilkenny supporters who follow the team will be patient and will realise that this is essentially a team that's you know <clears throat> with a new management and 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 are trying to develop a few uh, a few players develop a team and w- without doubt you like it has to come i think it has to come the one and under 20 these players will come through but we have to be a little bit patient no one gave them a chance down in Turles they came good it was a fantastic it was a breath of fresh air to see them winning I was at it and it was great like I'd say you could count there was probably 400 from Kilkenny at it and there was about 8,000 from Limerick at it but they pulled it off and it was fantastic and like it gives you great hope going forward that Kilkenny style really is like is we're what other counties look up to as what they're looking in over the fence to see what are Kilkenny doing what are Kilkenny doing I think we need to bring that into our game yeah, it's a really interesting point that you make. And of course, as you mentioned there, lost by two points in last year's All-Ireland Final to Limerick. Where do you think Kilkenny are amongst the contenders? Are they just simply in second because they made the final last year and of course won I, the Leinster Championship? L- l- listen, I, we go back to last year's final, we were horribly unlucky. A few incidents with the referee cost us dearly. You know, like... I, I, I don't want to be an advocate of, of downing referees, but listen, when when you get a raw deal, you get a raw deal, and you have to be, be vocal about it. The referee done a poor job in the All Ireland, and it came down to a tight margins. It came down to one puck of the ball. 
Now, yep. you go and, 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 and say Limerick are, are this outer stratosphere team and this, that. I don't buy into that. Now, obviously, they've won, they're going for four, four in a row and they're a good, solid team. But listen, like, they're looking, when they developed this team, they were looking in order to hedge to see what Kilkenny are doing. How do we stop Kilkenny? How do we stop Kilkenny? We can come again, I have no doubt about it, if we're patient, the players will come through, and they are coming through. If you go to any Robbie under 13, under 15 game, there's potentially excellent players coming through. I mean, may have took a right off the ball, the county board may have took a right off the ball, we say, when we were successful. Like, now we're, we're paying the price for the last couple of years, but listen, they will come through and they will start looking in order to hedge to see what Kilkenny are doing. I have no doubt about it. We just have to be a little bit patient. And I think the boys, the right men are there, and please God, they, they got off to a good start. But going back to where you lost last year, a small few little things. A was the referee B we kind of had a few scoring opportunities that we didn't take at a crucial time would have would have put us a couple of points ahead and then the doubts come in Limerick we were we went toe to toe with them and as I said just a small few little things went wrong for us so we're not that far away so I think I'd be very positive going forward. I think there's great work being done and, and, and even the club scene all around, it's good players coming. If, la- if players want to win in All-Ireland and they want to, cl- they want to get on the Kilkenny team, they will. They'll get an opportunity with this man. They'll get their opportunity if they're doing the right things. They'll get their opportunity if they're prepared to roll up their sleeves and work and listen and, and do what the management wants them. I have no doubt about it. There's, play- there's places there, I'd say, on the team. So lads went away. Obviously, they went away for their own reasons. But we have what we have now, and I think we have a good nucleus of players. And one man who is part of that good nucleus of players, of course, is Mikey Butler. He's a fellow club man of yours, a man you know very well that you managed um, over the last couple of years. One young hurler of the year last year. Could you see from this far out and could O'Loughlin Gales um, GA people see from this far out how good a player he was going to be? Because it was an incredible uh, debut campaign in a Kilkenny jersey for him. Yeah, well... Listen, you could, you could just see you can't, like you put a player into a Kenny jersey, and next thing he goes from bum bum bum, he's going up the ladder very very rapidly. Would anyone have said that Mick Butler would have went up it as rapid as he did? You know, it's it's, it's hard to credit because he got in there, got his chance, and just played better and better and better. And next thing he was in, and he's kind of painted with the brush that I'm on about. Like if you're prepared to roll up your sleeves and get stuck in. And have a, have a work ethic and 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 be single minded about it. You have a great opportunity of playing with Kenny, and he's a good advertisement for that. He rolled up his sleeves and got stuck in. Now bear in mind that Mick Butler done a cruciate ligament, you know, the previous August. So like August, he within less than a year, within nine ten months, he was back playing, back playing competitive hurling. And let's forget about that, you know. But he had the single mindedness. That's required to say, listen, I want this. I want it more than anything. I don't want to be going on holidays. I don't want this. I don't want anything else. I want this. He wanted to play for Kenny. And that's what we need. Another, you know, 14 of them. And we have, I think we have a lot of players that are that kind of single-mindedness. To have that single-mindedness. But I think it's a big thing with Mike Butler that lads forget about that. He did get a cruciate ligament injury and he did work all day and all night, seven days a week to get back. 
you know. And um, it's probably something that's missed along the line. But like, as I said, once he got into the position, once he got in the jersey, like he went boom, boom, boom up along very, very quickly and very rapidly. So uh, obviously, you win last are you know this is. You're in Kikenny, you know, a lot lads got one eyes there and were drifted off and you know, he needs to work again. He needs to go on and kick on and become a better player again this year, which I hope he will. Yeah, and another man that you know and who has become a better player year in, year out with Kilkenny is Paddy Deegan. Uh, I noticed in the Walsh Cup games that he's been moved further forward. That's something that you deployed with him for Lachlan Gales. What do you think he brings to the game in a forward position rather than what we've seen him in the past with Kilkenny, which of course is around the half-back line? Well, Paddy Deegan like, is, is, is an athlete and, he, and, and if you're a hurler you can play anywhere uh, it doesn't matter if it's corner back or corner forward if you're able to hurl you should be able to hurl anywhere and like Paddy is well able to hurl uh, he, like, he, obviously his strength in the air is something that we need to probably look at in the forwards winning the ball from a puck out even like tackling hard like he'll give you everything everything that he has in his body he'll give it to you uh, tackling ability retain and ball retention and be able to score as well so listen you'd have no doubt about Paddy Deegan's ability be it number 2 or number 15 you know wherever he fits into the team he's a team player and he'll roll up his sleeves and get stuck in and work and these, as I said these are the attributes that we will need and uh, that Paddy has you know yeah, and obviously now your time as a Lachlan Gales manager has come to an end, Andy. How would you reflect on that? I mean, it was a successful period. You made a county final in 2021, but um, just probably couldn't get over the line against the Shamrocks like every other team in Kilkenny over the last five years. How do you look back on that time now as a Lachlan's manager? Well, listen, it's disappointing, you know, because like... I would have went into the job with the view to win it and anyone I'd say that takes over a team goes in with the view to win it unfortunately it didn't happen the first year got a few injuries and like listen you get a few injuries at club club level the second year around to players that are very important and vital cogs to the whole setup. you're kind of on the back foot you know so yeah. forwards possibly like we have a good team there but possibly we're, our forwards are just lacking a little bit but listen we have good young lads coming it won't be long before this team they're in good hands now we're bringing Hogan he'll get the most of, the, the most of man please God they can get back to the top again we need to keep Bally Hill you know uh, we need to keep an eye on them and, and say keep them honest and say listen we, it's good for Kenny Hurden if someone else is challenging them so listen Brian is the right man there he'll take over the baton there's good players they've been you know well trained and, and uh, well looked after for the last two years just couldn't get over the line I suppose the first year was a chance we had we had a great chance of beating Ballyhill in the final that year and it just didn't happen and uh, they'll learn from that and, and I think they have the hunger to get there you just have to you know keep going on, on keep doing what you're doing keep working hard and, and keep dedicated and, and just don't throw in the towel or throw the ties out of the promise and giving up I think they'll stay at it and Lachlan's will be there thereabout about the end this year 
I'm sure they will, but just one point I wanted to touch on. How difficult is it actually to come up against this Shamrocks team? Because you were very competitive in that 2021 county final, mm. but there has been other county finals where, unfortunately, the opposition maybe haven't been as competitive as you were. Like, mm. how in you've obviously seen a lot of teams come through throughout the years. How good are this Shamrocks team? Well, they're probably in an era like I spoke to uh, one of the all-time uh, um, Ballyhale players that was on, was in the 80s and, and the 90s that was on the team there coming over Crow Park after the other in club final. I was just saying, like, they have to be a better team than me, but I don't know whether they are because I said to them at that time, James Stevens would have been tugging at him. Fenians would have been tugging at him. Clare obviously took a final off him in 86. Muckley took a final off him in 82, you know. But there was great teams around that time. And and, and, and maybe the, the teams are not as good at the moment or is it just that they have a savage bunch of players coming at the one time. It's probably a bit of both. It's probably not as good as resilient teams around at the moment. You can put it up to them, you know, but like you have to take your hat off to them. Their, their ability to retain possession, like they give about 16 passes there at one stage throughout the year. Like 16 consecutive passes in Ireland is very, very difficult to do, you know, and, and not lose possession. And every ball going to hand, not dropped, miscontrolled get a chance in front of the goal it's over the bar you know these are attributes that you can't build you can't you can't they're either in or they're not you know you can't just coach it into them you can't coach it into a lad to have the ability to boom catch a ball give a 45 metre pass straight into a lad's hand he turns and puts it over the bar you know these are things that lads are just born with yeah. and, and luckily enough like these Ballyhill lads are just able to do this and they're able to spin off passes there ball to hand give you know a first time position in the hand turn bang over the bar no one to give the hand pass but not only that like they have the physical strength as well which is an, and a combined strength you know you like obviously you refer to in rugby like the, the, the weight of a pack and the, and the dimensions and the statistics and the height and of, a, of, a, of a pack but you in rugby you go through the height and, and the physique of all the Ballyhale players. Like they're all like six foot two, six foot one. They're all big men and able to hurl. So like there's, there's a lot of uh, ingredients there that you need to make a brilliant team. And then they can call in subs that are excellent as well. And like as I said, few of their critical crucial players, every one of them were injured the last day, and they're able to call in another lad and and uh, young Shartle play great there the last day. Killian Carcom was excellent. You know, it's it's just just kind of a lucky parish to have what they have. And and listen, you can't say, but they are very humble. And when they win something, they just throw the trophy there. They go off and they do their own thing, get ready for next year. Like, you have to take your half down. They're a great team. And um, they uh, don't lie from everything at them. But, like, they're always chasing the game. And, like, when Dunley came to them, they were able to go again and get a couple of points and shake them off. And, like... They are a great team, but like as I said, with, with, with any hurling team, if you get a little bit too cocky, like you're going to be, you're going to be caught. And like it takes nine games to win nine, nine or ten, nine games to win a club all Ireland, you know. And 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 it's a very difficult thing to do uh, for Ballyhale, and they'll have to go back again, regroup, and everyone will be chomping at the bit at them again. But like it's up to the other clubs, I suppose, to raise the bar and like. 
get these youngsters able to do this um, what these guys are doing you know with the ball like I, all these youngsters <coughs> can do it in the gym they can all do it on the, on the running track but unfortunately hurling is about that hurling is about the ball and the hurling have the ability to score you know and and that scoring has to be done <coughs> excuse me that scoring has to be done under extreme pressure you know and that's an that's an attribute that these lads have these Malihel can score under extreme pressure and like that's what you have to do if you want to be a hurler you have to be able to do that under pressure and unfortunately you can't get it in the gym you can't get it on the running track you can't get it through dietitians or statisticians you just have to have it and these lads have it and it's up to other clubs I suppose to try to develop this to develop this nature that when you get a ball under pressure that you're able to score and the vital statistic I suppose is you get five chances as a forward you have to take three it's the five three syndrome you have to get five chances you must take three like this thing about getting five chances and scoring one no that won't work against great teams you have to get five three so it has to be three scores or five chances you get five balls and that's what these lads are able to do so I suppose it's up to the rest of us clubs to develop that get it into our forwards get it into our teams and <coughs> it's something to think about anyway for the rest of the shows but definitely hats off to Bally Hale as I said very humble get the trophy tip on home and uh, do their business uh, very astutely and get back and still be planning for next year fantastic club yeah well that was really insightful stuff Andy Comfort thanks ever so much for chatting to me today and I'm sure you'll enjoy the rest Robbie, of the season no problem Kenny. at all yeah no problem at all yeah Yeah, um, look, it, it was a tough game. Um, the conditions worsened as the game as the game went on, and you know, I suppose as Derek said himself, there was there was lots of good in it and lots of of, of work where where there needs to be, uh, improvement as well. And where do you think they do need to improve? To touch on that first, Michael, um, I mean, they didn't score from play for a large part of that second half, particularly. <laughs> Yeah, and the, in fairness, as I said, the conditions really got bad uh, just at half time there, as we said yesterday, and it was particularly difficult into that driving wind and rain. Um, just, I, I suppose, you know, the Antrim got a run on them, and maybe, you know, maybe a loss of shape around the middle third didn't help. Um, you know, I felt that Antrim really got a top in there, and their right corner back, Paddy Burke, for some reason, came out to field, and he he caused serious trouble with with his driving runs as well. And I suppose look at it, every team has their time in the game, and that was Antrim's time. It's just that, and again, I'm hugely respectful to Antrim. A, a better quality opposition would have made the Kenny pay at that stage yesterday. I would have felt. Was it just important that Kilkenny got the win, Michael, Derkling's first league game in charge, get out the door, get the win and look forward to that Tipperary game now this day next week? Yeah, look, the win is important, but um, at the end of the day, you're looking to, you, you know, you're looking for lots of things at this time of year. Um, 
you know, Limerick didn't win last night and it's not the end of the world. Like, I mean, look, if you go up to Antrim and get beaten, it's going to put unnecessary pressure on, on Derek and on, his, on, on everybody. So, look, it is important to go up to get, I mean, get out of there and, and move on. And I think, look, if I'm being very honest, I think it really all starts next week, to be honest. Um, that's where the, the the tests will come for both Tipperary and Kilkenny and all these teams. I think once you're, again, with total respect to, to who you play, um, you know, these are the matches that you really will find out where, where, where everybody stands. And that goes for both Kilkenny and Tipperary and, and uh, it should be a very, very interesting game. Yeah, are these the really crucial ones, do you think, for Derek Ling, where he'll see, you know, we've seen the likes of you know, some players being introduced that we've seen in the Walsh Cup, Paul Cody, Billy Drennan, other players as well getting a run yesterday, they done another one. Do you think that's where he'll separate the ones that are capable of playing at the top level come championship time and maybe aren't quite at that level just yet? Yeah, no, that's where you find out. That's that's exactly the point I was trying to make. There, you know, like again, huge respect to the other teams that played so far. You know, I know Wexford are at the top table. We'll say, but the, the other three teams and they're making great strides, and it's great to see that. Uh, you know, it was a very competitive game yesterday, as have all the Welsh Cup games being the second half against Leach being the exception but you know I think I think they'll be very happy with what they've done so far and Kenny you know a few of the more established players are playing very very well and the young lads have certainly not let themselves down at all so far they've, they've, they've coped quite well I have to say and uh, you know that's that's a good sign going forward but you always find out at, obviously against the real top teams and, and that's what's coming next Sunday likewise Tip Tip looks very strong as well at the moment but they'll find out with themselves as well and I know Liam Carl will say that he said it last year when, he, when Walter came here you know, no better place than come to Nolan Park to find out exactly where you stand. And that, and that, at this time of year, I know we're all going on about win, win, win. But at this time of year, it's really important to get a settled panel for what really matters when you win, and that's in the championship. Did anyone stand out for you yesterday, Michael? Obviously, Billy Drennan won Player of the Match. Who do you think um, stood out from a Kilkenny point of view? Yeah, and I think you know, in fairness to Billy Drennan, he, he's done very, very well for a young kid coming into his first year in senior. He took his goal very well in his free taking. But uh, I was like, to me, the standout player for Kenny yesterday was about the Park Welch, and in that time. And that's where I think you really judge, you know, who's who man of the match or whatever. But in that time when Kilkenny were under severe pressure, he was the one who stood very, very tall. Uh, he caught some great balls from puck outs. He defended very, very well. And, you know, he was in the forwards last year and it didn't really suit him, I think, because, well, I think he's back now where he really is uh, at his best. And, you know, whether that be five, six or seven, he's very comfortable across that way. I thought the two wing backs as well were very supportive of him and Killian Buckley and, and David Blanchfield. And uh, in fairness, the Kenny defence overall, uh, plus the goalkeeper, I thought they were very, very solid. And you, when you restrict any team to 15 points, it's a very, very good day's work by them. And, and in fairness, I know they'll say that. And, and particularly in the first half, the work rate was very strong from the forwards. I thought that did die a bit, but that's going to happen as well because, you know, full fitness wouldn't be there at the moment, Jay, even though they are a very fit looking team to Kenny and very, very strongly built. But, uh, you know, I thought the defence was very, very strong and, as I said, very well marshaled by Parry. You mentioned Park Welsh there moving back to the half-back line after having a spell in the forwards. Paddy Deegan is something that I've seen um, in the Walsh Cup games and also in yesterday's game moving into midfield and maybe further forward again into the half-forward line um, on the odd occasion. I was just speaking to Andy Comfort and, and he kind of reiterated the fact that we only lost the All-Ireland last year by two points to Limerick. We're really competitive throughout, obviously won the Leinster Championship and that there's very small margins between us competing at the top table and winning at the top table. Do you think minor changes like that could be crucial when we're talking about how tight it is between these top teams the likes of moving Park Walsh back or Paddy Deegan further forward whatever it may be 
Oh yeah, absolutely. At the, at the top level, the the they are the, the margins are minor, and you know, like the fact of the matter is, the All Ireland was lost by two points, but you could say the same. Galway lost the All Ireland semi final by three points. So you know, those all these teams now are very close to one another, and on a, on a given day. I think anything can happen. Uh, certainly, I wouldn't say all of them, but I would say, you know, the Munster teams are very, very strong. There's no question about that. And I think Kenny and Galway are right up there. I think the rest have a bit to go to catch up, to be honest. But that would be my my summing up of it. I know everybody's writing off Clare again this year. They're not really mentioning them in the round robin, but look what they did today to Westmeath. And, you know, like, you know, putting up a score and like that, and, and of course it'll be trying to. This is only the league, but it's only the league for every game. And I think Clare are actually unearthing players as well. And I look at all the teams. I look at Galway playing Wexford last night. They're unearthing players. And uh, you know, Limerick and Fairness them last night. You know, I know they lost the game in the end, but they still made a load of changes and took off established players. So they were quite happy to get game time into these young lads as well. And Kenny are doing it, and every team Dublin today are doing it. Watford. So I think. They know now the, the the season is short, the margins are small, and they need panels. And panels will be the thing that win these games because if you get injuries, you have to you have to be able to bring on someone you can trust. And you know, if you look at yesterday now, can you brought on four subs, but only two of them were only brought on in the last couple of minutes. So you know, that's a sign of you know they were they were under pressure. They trusted who they had on the field at the time, and they wanted to get over the line. So it's all about that now. Getting a panel of you know you, you need 22 players at least, I think, to be able to rely on in these championship matches that come so thick and fast just to concentrate on other teams for the moment Michael uh, yeah. two of two of Kilkenny's Leinster opponents went head to head last night Galway coming out winners at Chadwick's Wexford Park uh, by 23 points to 15 against Darry Egan's Wexford side where do you see them amongst the contenders you didn't put uh, Wexford in with the Kilkenny Galway and the rest of the Munster teams when you were talking I, about all Ireland contenders where no, do you see both of those yeah. teams standing I think Galway are huge contenders and again I looked at their team last night and they're short you know what I would think maybe seven or eight people that will start for them come championship and the, it, it, to go down to Wexford and win at any stage is hugely impressive I didn't see the game uh, but I do know that if you go to Wexford and win by seven or eight points that's a, that's a good day's work no matter what happens I know that Wexford possibly should have been further ahead before half time and you look, I think Kilkenny and Galway are one and two in Leinster. Whatever way that will turn out at the end of the year, we'll have to wait and see. I think Wexford are slightly behind with Dublin. That doesn't say that doesn't mean to say that Wexford won't beat Kilkenny or won't beat Galway. They certainly can on a given day. They're quite capable of it. But I think that Wexford still are relying on like Lee Chin and Rory O'Connor weren't playing last night, and they're such a massive, massive part of that Wexford setup, and they have to have them going at full throttle. Both of them, Rory O'Connor is coming off an injury and Lee Chin seems to be struggling with an injury. You were down on Wexford, he went off, he wasn't on the panel yesterday and he struggled last year as well. But the two of them are massive to the Wexford cause. Well, I certainly wouldn't be writing Wexford off. I think that they're a very good team, but I do, I just do think that maybe Kilkenny and Galway are slightly ahead. Dublin are rebuilding and uh, their team today now looked completely different, but they've lost players to different reasons. They've lost a number of players to travel and stuff like that. So they, it's rebuilding for them. So I would put Kilkenny and Galway that little bit ahead of Wexford and maybe Dublin as well. But who comes out, I don't know, but my favourites in Leinster would be Kilkenny and Galway. 
And another game that took place last night, probably the biggest game of the weekend for many people, was Cork and Limerick and Parky Cueve. Cork, eight points down at half time, eventually came out one point winners on the scoreline of 217 to 22 points. Where do you see both of those sides? I suppose Cork, very different situation. New manager Pat Ryan trying to build up some momentum. Limerick, I suppose all eyes will be on the four in a row really for them in the All-Ireland side of things. Um, Limerick, I suppose, in your eyes would still be firm favourites. And where are Cork? Yeah, I think Limerick are favourites. Uh, I, I, I go maybe not firm, but they did look really good at times last night. Yeah. And as I said, they finished with a very, very young team. If you go through the 15 that finished for Limerick, uh, they were very, very young. Um, I think Cork are going to definitely get a lift from Cork. And Cork have potential. There's no question about that. Um, and you saw both sides of Cork in the last, maybe a snapshot of Cork was last night for the last maybe eight to ten years. In the first half, they were... Uh, you know, they were standing off Limerick, they weren't going in physically, they were playing nice hurling, but Limerick were tearing them apart. In the second half then they they played exactly how they'll have to play if they want to beat teams like Limerick. And that's not to say that when it comes to the crunch they will. But at the, in, in fairness to them last night, all you can do is play in what's in front of you. That's for any team at the minute. And they really got stuck in and it paid off for them. And they got the win. But um where would I place Cork? I just think that Limerick are slightly ahead of the other four teams in Munster and I think it's an absolute toss-up between the other four as to who comes out. Just to, just to stick with Cork for the moment, Michael, and I'm going to use yeah. probably a harsh word here, but it has been 18 years since they won the All-Ireland and I think in that period, particularly over the last number of years, you could argue there's been a flakiness attached to them. And you mentioned it there, maybe that they play a nice hurling, but they're not exactly, you know, engaging in games as much as they might be, or they let games pass them by, or whatever it might be. When do you feel that set in with Cork Herders? Because I remember back in the 2000s, they were so competitive with Kilkenny. You had the likes of Dermot Rocco Sullivan, Sean O'Gahalpine, Joe Dean, the O'Connor brothers, you know, countless other players that were as talented, if not more talented, than, you know, the crop of players over the last couple of years. But also they had that fight and that physicality that they brought with them that obviously allowed them to win All-Ireland so what has gone wrong with Cork Hurling generally as an overall look over the last decade or so I suppose at this stage well well, in fairness to them, they went through a barren patch, but they have been doing great work on their age now. And in the last five yeah. to six years, they definitely have come. That, look, that can happen. If you take it right off the ball at all, it can certainly happen. You know, they and and as well as that, look, they haven't been a million miles away either. Like they've been, they've been beaten and they won an All Ireland semi final. They lost an All Ireland semi final. They lost two All Ireland semi finals: one to Waterford, one to Limerick. Then they, they beat Kilkenny and they got to the final. So they haven't been a million miles away. They've had bad years in between that. But like it's like everything you're getting to semi-finals and finals like it's it's fair achievement only one team can win and I don't think a massive amount went wrong I think that definitely they'll have to have a more physical approach at the senior level and I think they're trying to work on that and I think this year that Pat Ryan is trying to definitely trying to bring that to them whether that can happen straight away is another thing as I said to you last night was a real snapshot of Cork in the fact that in the first half they played their usual game that we would have been used to have seen, but they definitely upped it in the second half. But that's what they need now. They need that consistency. And I'm not, I'm not even sure a massive amount has gone wrong because they have put in an awful effort underage. And I think in the next year or two, or maybe three, that, that you'll see that coming through. Like that young Joyce there for centre-back last night was absolutely outstanding. The full-back on down, he was outstanding. And they had great, they, they great, great confidence from that as well. Uh, albeit, as I said, you have to be careful how you judge that second half because Limerick were very, very, very short of, of all their top players. But I think Limerick probably had five maybe people that you might think would start by the end of that game. But still, Cork did what they had to do and you have to give them credit for that. But they need to bring a bit a more physical approach to the whole thing. And if they do then, they'll be they'll be dangerous. But as I said to you, Robbie, that, that you know, Cork, Watford, Tip, Clare, 
toss-up. And tip a good win yesterday against Leash. Obviously, that maybe wouldn't show us an awful lot. Where are they at under Liam Cal? Do you think? Yeah, well, I think you know this time last year they beat Leash by four points, and last night they did they did to Leash what probably you know what they should be doing. Um, it's a work in progress, but it's I I just said I just like what he does with teams, and you know you're looking at the team and you're saying right maybe they're well I don't even know it's about individuals in that setup. I think it's the way he plays the game. It's played at a high pace. And he's moved things around as well. It's like Michael Breen going back to full-back, Seamus Kennedy going into the forwards. And there'll be, there'll be days when that won't work and he'd find it, but it, it, it's what he believes and what his management team believes and they'll stick with. But I like the way they've gone about things so far. And uh, I saw a bit of their match against Clare in that Munster League. Now, again, it's, it's hard to judge on that because it's a bit like the Welsh Cup. Uh, but they looked very, very impressive for that little bit I saw of them. And obviously, look, when you go out and play the likes of Leash, Westmeath, Antrim, like you know, you have to do what they did yesterday, and they certainly did that. And uh, you know, I, I, I'm really looking forward to next Sunday. I always look forward to the Kenny Chip games, but there's a new, you know, a new, a newness about the both setups, if you like, this year with different managements and different types of play and stuff like that. And I just think that it'll be a very interesting match next week. And like, it won't be the be all and end all, and they won't decide who will win an All Ireland or a Monster Championship, but it will give you some idea as to where the two teams are going. And Watford and Dublin finally they drew today, Michael. Just to get your opinion on both of those sides, we'll start with Dublin because, you know, obviously it hasn't been going as well as they would have liked over the last couple of years, maybe under Matty Kenny. Michal Donahue now he's the only manager in Leinster to have won an intercounty All Ireland, coming with Galway back in 2017, of course. Will he add an awful lot to the panel? Do you think? What can he bring to Dublin hurling that maybe he's been missing over the last four or five years? Yeah, I think him and his management team will definitely bring. Uh, first of all, they've experience in all Ireland, so they know they know what 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 that's all about. So they'll definitely bring uh, a difference to Dublin as regards. Like in terms of Matthew Kenny, Matthew Kenny brought a great physicality to Dublin. They did try to match up physically with teams, and generally, you know, they did that. Uh, they suffered some bad defeats, particularly to our own county, Kilkenny. But um, I think Michal is going to try and nurse. He has to. It's not that he's going to try. I think he would have anyway. But he's lost up to 10 players. And people have to remember that. That's a massive, massive loss. Like the likes of Chris Crummy, who would be a big player for Dublin, gone. And others, others as well that were decent players. So he's got to, what he's got to do is find players. And, you know, he's, he is casting an F-bar and wide. And again, when you look at the Dublin team today, like, you know, it'd be a fair student of watching teams over the years and a lot of them are very new to the setup and uh, new players and he's he'd want to get a kick out of them and see where he can go with that. I think he'll bring a freshness to it. I think he'll bring that physicality we spoke about, but also, you know, he likes he well when you go with the Galway team he had a huge big half forward line uh, on that team and and then I'd have to see Dublin in the flesh to see where he bring that. But that seems to be every team at the moment uh, copying trying to copy the Limerick half forward model even for Kenny with the likes of Paul Cody coming in to set up Walter Welsh yesterday and even other matches in the World Cup. So I think O'Donoghue will definitely bring and, and he has a, a, you know the name of winning all Ireland so that will be a big boost to the players to see that and I think his management team as well. Now I think they're in complete transition because um, they've lost all these players and I think you know that he will be absolutely doing his utmost to qualify out of Leinster this year. If he does that, I think it'll be a successful year. I, I don't see uh, much, you know, that they can do much more this year because they are definitely building and their team is young. And I think that he will, you know, if he gets a bit of time with him, which he probably will, uh, I think that he could do well with him in the future years because they have good hurlers up there, but they're under the, the other thing of the football as well. Like, you know, they're not going to ever have a Conor Callaghan, which would be a huge boost to them. Uh, but Owen Donald stayed with him this year. And I think he will improve them a lot, but I still think they're just a little bit behind the top teams. 
And just very lastly, Michael Waterford under Davy Fitzgerald, again a man that knows what it takes to win All Ireland as a manager. He obviously brought Waterford to an All Ireland in his first spell in 2008 when he was in charge of the Dacia. Uh, what will he bring to him to them? Do you think? Well, sure, everything he he brings energy to everything he does, and yeah. I'm sure he will to them again. They had an experimental enough team out today. They had a lot of big names on the bench, and I, I, I don't know what way that went as regards. I know it was a draw, and I know they only got 13 minutes in, so he'd be delighted with that. Um, how it fared out with who he put on or took off, I don't know. Uh, Watford are dangerous. Uh, Robbie always will be dangerous. You know, up to up to May last year or April, whenever the round robin started, they were. You know everybody's favourites to run near me right close to the Ireland and for some reason it fell apart uh, only they know why but they certainly certainly have the raw materials to do very very well but they may not even qualify all monster it's a minefield and it's going to be some battle in that, in that province Now I'm joined by Wexford men's senior football coach Anya Kinsella who is showing her solidarity with those subjected to domestic abuse by taking part in the hashtag Stand Strong movement established by Allianz Insurance and Women's Aid. Allianz have been proud partners of the Allianz Football and Hurling Leagues for 30 years and on the 6th of February Allianz and Women's Aid are asking the people of Ireland to come together as one and hashtag Stand Strong against domestic abuse. The movement aims to become an annual event in Ireland's cultural calendar raising much needed funds to support the work of Women's Aid. For more information and to donate, visit standstrong.ie. Oni, how are you keeping? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, all good, all good. Um, listen, I suppose, first of all, we're here to chat about Women's Aid. Um, is it, obviously, it's something that you feel really strongly about. Yeah, it's uh, it's an unbelievable um, campaign for me to be associated with. To be honest, um, I think as a as a female in a, in a very much male dominated environment, it's it's nice to be able to lend your support to something like this. And I think you read some of the stats around domestic abuse and domestic violence in Ireland that that women are you know suffering through that it, it's quite scary and that the more that this kind of thing can be discussed and, and pushed out there and more awareness raised I think the better for everyone yeah and d- just events like these are, are they really the way forward in the sense that you know obviously to have conversations consistently is important but that this really does highlight the sort of crisis I suppose that's happening in the country at the moment I, I think Visibility is really important, first and foremost, but I think the most important thing is the conversations, and that's the conversations that happen at home, that happen amongst friends. I even think I work as a secondary school teacher in an all-boys school, so the conversations that you have there, and yes, they're, they're very hard conversations to have and can feel very uncomfortable for all involved, but I think the fact that they're uncomfortable makes them that important, that this is still very much um, kind of an, an under the carpet thing that we don't want to acknowledge. I think Ashing Murphy's very untimely death last year really resonated with everybody, but I think we have to look at the fact that one woman per month has been murdered in Ireland since then. Um, and sometimes in the immediate aftermath of those really horrible, tragic events that the people feel like, oh, we shouldn't talk about this now. For me, if you don't talk about it then when the feelings are at their rawest, when are you going to talk about it? Because as as those feelings subside, the chances of it being spoken about properly become less and less. So for me, the time to have those really hard, uncomfortable conversations is when those feelings are are at the most heightened. 
Um, so the more visibility, the more awareness that goes on around this situation, the better. And then the more money that's available to Women's Aid to continue offering the fantastic services and supports that they do, then the better. Well, it is great to hear, I have to say, all the work that's being done. Obviously, um, we don't want to see what's happening, but at least we're trying. people are trying to make strides forward with it. As you said, you're, you're involved in a male-dominated environment. Do you feel like these conversations that you're mentioning are being had enough by men, I suppose, that it feels like they have to be driven by women for men to have them at times, um, if that makes sense? Do you feel like men need to be a bit more proactive and take the onus to actually have these conversations and really iron out what's right and what's wrong? Um, probably in a way, but like I'm very slow as, as well to try and, and point the finger at men because I think that that's a really fine line that, that yeah. has to be kind of thread at the minute that men are almost feeling alienated or, or bashed in this conversation. And they are a big part of the solution. You know, it, it's not just women that are going to have the solution to this. Men have to be part of the solution as well. And it can't be a case of just constantly be men being browbeaten with this they have to be included and, and their voices heard too but i think it's important that they learn to they listen to the lived experiences of women um and sometimes you'll find that because men haven't seen it happen or haven't come across maybe don't know women or haven't spoke or maybe their female friends haven't mentioned it to to their male friends about how the feelings they have or the, the abuse of being subjected to whether it's mental or physical um, sometimes it, it's a case of that you nearly have to convince them that this is as, the scenario is as bad as it is um, but it's a conversation that needs to happen collectively um, I know say from talking to some of my male friends that it's it's that they it's not that they don't want to think about it it's that maybe they've had the luxury of not having to think about it um, even really small things like Sometimes when I leave school late and I have to walk back to my car and it's dark in the evening time, particularly this time of the year, the nervousness that I feel automatically making that walk is something a lot of men can't identify with. And it's not that there's someone waiting to jump out with me around the corner, it's that there's the possibility that there's someone waiting to jump out with me. Um, and they don't feel that the same way that I would feel that. So having those conversations can make them realise that there are things going on that they may be don't have to experience and that it, it's a good thing for them that they don't but to, to understand that that's not women's lived experience a lot of the time well that's that's a really interesting insight i have to say and as a man myself and conscious of a man speaking to a woman here i do have to admit that uh, you just don't feel these sort of things at all um do you feel as though, because in Carlo and Kilkenny recently, there's been a lot of talks about kind of um, welfare and, you know, use of drugs and, and things like that. Do you feel as though the GA is a perfect environment to have these conversations, to bring people together and actually discuss this topic? Because as you mentioned, um, it's an uncomfortable conversation, but maybe something like the GA can be a force where it brings people together to have these conversations. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think as well, like, it's you kind of have a captive audience and like and I even think of I've had some really good interesting conversations with inter-county players the last couple of seasons and I even think of one of the Wexford hurlers I had a really interesting conversation with last year after Ashley Murphy died and he was just he just wanted my opinion on it and he approached me walking off the training field and that isn't something that I would remember of happening five or six years ago do you know that here was uh a man who would be like, you know, 
really strong, fit, healthy, recognising that there's a woman's opinion here that I can actually get a real insight into. Um, so, yeah, it, it's something that's constantly evolving, I guess, and, and constantly improving. And when, when you're involved, you're obviously a coach, as I mentioned, with the Wexford men's senior football team. What's that like being a woman involved in, as you said yourself, such a male-dominated environment? I mean, again, it's not something I, I have ever experienced or probably will ever experience in a way because even in women's sports, I suppose, there's more men involved, say, than vice versa or anything like that. So what's that experience like for you? Um, I suppose I am at a point now where I'm I'm kind of the only woman in the room so often now in my, in my life that it, it stopped even registering with me. But I guess initially I would have been hyper aware of the fact that I'm I'm the only female here. And I would have, you, you were nearly already on a defensive footing from the minute you stepped into the room and you were waiting for someone to make any kind of a comment that could be perceived as a slight and then going on the offensive. So I guess I've learned to kind of rein myself in a little bit on that front um, the more experience that I've gotten because I actually, from being in the dressing room, anyone that I'm working directly with, I have never had a negative comment or anything untowards said to me or been made feel anyway uncomfortable or invalid um, in in the work that I do. And in fact, the opposite really, you know, um, that they actually appreciate having a woman around because maybe they see it as a point of contact that's easier to discuss what issues they have off the training field than maybe going to their manager or whoever. So I think having a, a female around those environments is, is actually only a positive thing. The, the only place that I would kind of get any kind of, and it's not even intentional, but it's going into grounds or stuff or it's dealing maybe with stewards on gates and having to convince them maybe that you're involved with a team despite the fact that you're decked out head to toe in county colours or even things like oh god aren't you great girls be helping out the boys this this kind of a thing but it's it's not meant in a in a derogatory sense and it's probably just a generational thing in terms of the the, the age profile of the, the men that you meet but that they're in a distinct minority and anyone really is it's just you're just part and parcel now you know it, which is great you just want to be a piece of furniture and that is great to hear that that your own experience is like that do you feel as though in general terms I suppose not maybe focusing on yourself here as much that we have we haven't moved it as far as we would like in terms of women should feel a lot more comfortable and you know that they're obviously there on their own merits and maybe there's a there's a lack of that at the moment how how do you think we erode that and eradicate it completely i suppose i i think it's going to happen naturally with time um i think you just have to look at how the role of women in society has evolved the last 50 years and where you, you look at what's in the last 50 years, the increase in the number of women in the workforce, the evolution of female sport in this country or in any country, that we haven't had the same opportunities that men have had for the same length of time. So we can't be as evolved in terms of the numbers in coaching and stuff because all we've been doing is men. I mean, we, we had to fight so long to be able to play or to get equal access to things. 
Um, you still look at the discrepancy in gender pay graph, gaps right across the country. You look at the difference in the resourcing to intercounty squads. So as as the level balances out between may, men and women in society, the closer that gets, the more women are going to move into coaching. And, and also, like, ladies' football is so young as a sport and as an organisation in comparison to men's football that all the resourcing has been at getting girls playing sport and keeping girls playing football, as it should have been, as was really important. Now, I suppose, women of my age who have played up along are now beginning to look at and see the move into coaching and management as a logical progression for them. And I think the more high-level coaching that young girls are exposed to, the more they feel confident that they have the coaching skills, they know the coaching points in terms of moving into any, whether it's men's or women's teams. But it's just going to be, it's it's going to take a little bit more time. But I think in 10 years' time, if we revisit the scenario, I think it will be really commonplace to have either women managers in the women's game or having considerable numbers of women on, on coaching staff tickets in the men's game. Well, it's something that I think we'd, we'd really like to see and I suppose you have to have a couple of trailblazers for that to happen. You're one of them, certainly. Could you give us a bit of, an, of a kind of background and a context as to how you became a coach with the Wexford men's senior football team? Um, so I would have been working as a, a hurling performance analyst for the last eight years. Um, I would have started out with the Carlo senior hurlers and then... In the winter of 2020, I got involved with the Wexford Senior Hurlers and did two seasons there. I would have played, my main sport growing up was ladies football. I would have represented Carlo at all levels the whole way up along. Um, took up Camogie quite late in my 20s as a light relief as such to, to ladies football. Um, and I guess the way I approached the way I got into performance analysis, was it's probably quite different from how most people in that role entered it. I didn't come from a tech background or I didn't come from that I was interested in recording games and that the analysis side of it dovetailed quite naturally with the recording of the games. I came into it with very much a player's hat on. I was still actively playing myself when I, I got started in performance analysis. So I always looked at things with my player's hat on and trying to figure out what would, what would help me learn and perform better on the team, on the pitch as an individual? And ha- what could I do that would help in, on, enhance the understanding on a team level? And then you'd have flipped that in terms of looking at opposition and try to figure out what about, what are their patterns of play? What are they trying to do? And why are they trying to do that? And what strengths in our game counteract that? And how do we pull apart the weaknesses in theirs? So, I, like, I think... I've probably been coaching for the last eight years. Just the way that I have been coaching has been quite different to what would be perceived as coaching. Um, and one of the Shell Maliers players said it to me about 18 months ago. He said, you just coach through video. So I guess the opportunity with the footballers gives me a chance to kind of formalise that coaching in the video room on the pitch. Um, and probably have more of a voice out there than I would have had before. Um, But I would always have looked at things from probably with a coaching lens on rather than just stats, I guess. And I I think for me, probably the general public don't differentiate between stats and analysis. 
they see the stats go up at halftime on the Sunday game or on TG Cahar, and they think that's analysis. Whereas for me, they're very two different things. The stats gives you the what. It's like the starting point of your conversation. Whereas the analysis looks at the why and the how behind those things. So I would consider that a far greater importance to, to the role I have before and now than, I, than the, just the numbers. Do you think that's your role, I suppose, is a prime example of how far forward the intercounty game has gone, the fact that there is such a concentration on performance analysis? You're looking really like it, it's... You're looking at a medium-sized enterprise, you know, between playing squads, size backroom teams are gone to now. You know, like you're probably looking at minimum 60 people that, that you have to manage, maybe closer to 70. So it's a medium-sized enterprise. At, at the highest level, the margins are so small. The athletes, for all intents and purposes, are, are professional in terms of how they approach what they're doing. It's just that they have to work nine to five as well to go with it. Um and everything around that is designed to elevate what they're doing on the pitch. Um, and then you're, you're trying to gain percentages any which way you can. So if, if you can improve individual understanding and collective understanding of how you want a team to play and get them all, get more of them on the same page more of the time, um, that, that can only improve performance then. And just before I let you go, Anya, um, obviously the season has started now with the Wexford footballers. Your first round league game ended in a draw with London. What are the hopes for the year ahead? Is it about kind of attacking the league and then seeing what the championship poses, or you know, how how do you take the, take on the twenty twenty three season? Yeah, well, Division Four is, is the main priority, I guess, and and that's the case for any team that that's in that division. Do you know, it's it's extremely competitive it's an absolute dogfight um everyone wants to get out of there when you fall into it, it it's it's you know it, it's not a simple p- place to climb back out of again um so D- division four is a huge target um the result last weekend probably wasn't what we would have been hoping for for from the, the start we were definitely trying to target two points there but you know we're only one point off what we would have targeted from that game so um, all is not lost. The division is still wide open. I think the draw between Carlo and Wicklow leaves it wide open uh, again. So things are definitely still in in our own control. But we're going to have to go up the leash now on, on Sunday and have a much improved performance if, if we're going to have a hope of getting anything there because they're going to be coming in full of confidence after a really good result, an impressive result for them in Markovic Park. It's not a, Sligo isn't a simple place to go away to and, and get two points. So they'll be full of confidence, happy with how they played, and we'll just be looking to to improve in a couple of areas and, and see how we go. And the last game against Carlo, divided loyalties there. Um, it'll be a strange one for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be unusual. Um, I guess like my when I was with Carlo, my focus is on the hurling. Um, obviously. I would have been an avid supporter of both teams um, and I would have known a lot of the lads playing in both prior to getting involved in an analysis role. But I guess my familiarity with the GA scene in Carlo has kind of dwindled the last two years given my involvement in the club and county level in Wexford. So there's a lot of names and faces on that team that will be new to me. So, yeah, it'll definitely be a strange one. Um, but... Um, 
not it, it won't be mad divided loyalties either because I, I don't have any massive connections to a lot of the lads that are involved there at the minute well, brilliant chatting to you, Anya, I have to say. Um, we wish you nothing but the best of luck until the last round of the league. We'll have to be rooting for Carlo then. Uh, but as I said, great chatting to you and um, best wishes with the season ahead and everything that's to come. No problem at all. Thanks very much. I have to be chatting to you, Connor, because next weekend, I mean, it's a monumental day, not just for the club, but for Carlo Soccer, fourth round of the Leinster Senior Cup, the furthest that New York boys have ever gone, and they're going up against one of Ireland's biggest club, Bray Wonders. Yeah, um, it's it's going to be a special occasion for um, for our club, New York, and also for the Carlo League. Like, you know, it's just it's just a monumental kind of uh, moment uh, in soccer for, for uh, locally, because, you know, it's you're, you're we're we're um we're going we're going up against one of the one of the greatest teams in 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 League of Ireland and um you know they have massive history uh, down through the years. I remember going to see them actually. My dad bringing me to go see them um, over in Bray when I was younger as well. So it's the it's it's, it's going to be a special weekend and it's it hopefully we can get as many people down uh, to cheer us on and uh, hopefully we we put on a performance for everyone as well. Yeah, that, that's the thing, Connor. Obviously, you're at home, but it feels like one of those games that doesn't come around all that often. It might be 10, 20, even 30 years, you know, when Carlo teams get games like this. It's not something that's going to be a regular occurrence. So as many people as possible in the locality, not just in Carlo, but around the neighbouring counties as well, if they can get down to the match to watch it, I mean, it'll be something special. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's uh you know the the fact that it's it's being played down in Burn Road there it's 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 kind of incredible that you know a League of Ireland side is coming down to us, but um yeah even chatting to a few people during the week you know that aren't uh, associated with the club but are keep uh, follow follow it on the papers and follow it on the radio and that they they're eager to get down and see what what New Oak are all about and um it's 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 actually a huge novelty that we're actually kind of you know, going up against one of these League of Ireland sides um. But yeah, there's great interest around the town, even in schools there I'm working in at the moment. Um, people are asking, you know, when when's the break game? And you know, when when the draw came out, it was it was fantastic to to get drawn against them, um, uh, sides of their caliber. You know, uh, so there's it's great interest, and just can't wait for for it to come around now. It's uh, it's it kind of lads are excited and they're buzzing for it. But you know, we we are trying to keep focused and make sure that we're. Um, our heads are cool this week, and we don't pick up many injuries or any injuries at all, and um, and, and and we're ready to go for next weekend. Yeah, the draw was around the middle of January, and obviously now the game won't be played till you know about a month on the middle of February or so. Was it hard in between? Because you had a lot of games, I know, particularly in the league, that were stacked up to be played in yeah. between from when the draw was made until obviously the game that's going ahead on Sunday. Was it hard to not have that in the back of your mind? How do you approach it as a player? Because you know whether we like it or not, I suppose uh, I play soccer myself. There's league games every year, every weekend, but there's very few games or basically no games like this coming up against Bray Wanderers. So, what was it like as a player trying to avoid injury, but also trying to go on and win games as well? Um, I think our manager um, Gavin Dowling has been kind of fantastic in keeping us grounded that way. Um, you know, when the draw came out and uh, we knew that we were going to be facing Bray, um, you know, that, that night of training, he says we, we, the, the game isn't that isn't that that weekend. We we have a league game coming up that weekend, so he was he was basically saying that we need to just 100% focus on that and 
and you know look forward to Bray and 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 really really kind of you know embrace the whole moment when it comes. But the, we had to we had to focus on the weekend and and the fixture that was that was approaching and that was a league game. So um and in and in between we were playing in in, in cup competitions. We had Leinster Junior Cup there um last weekend as well. So that was a, a huge game for us and it's something that we um as a as a team will be targeting this year. Like like last year we were unfortunate against North End but those games are massive for us as well and we can't take you can't take your eye off the ball um when 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 a big kind of fixture like the Bray game comes up. But you know you have to just keep yourself focused and Gavin was kind of drilling that into us um over the last couple of weeks. Just making sure that we're we're doing the right thing. You know we're training hard, um, and we're getting our results. Um, you know every weekend. We, you know the league is is our bread and butter. I think David O'Shea was on with you there. Um, a yeah. week or two ago, and you know he said he said that the exact same thing. You know, our league winning the local Carroll League is 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 our bread and butter, and we want we want that's the, that's the that's the ultimate goal, and everything else. You know. Um, is is not secondary, but it's that we just want to win that league every year, and that's that's our target. So when the Bray game was came up, yeah, we have to we 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 were delighted about it, but we we had to maintain focus and make sure that we were um, kind of um, not getting sidetracked or distracted in any way. Well, you talk about winning the league there. Um, you won this morning. 3-0 against Killary Celtic at home. Nine games, 27 points, which obviously means nine wins from those nine games. And that win yeah. this morning, if I'm not mistaken, was your 56th unbeaten game in the top tier of Carlo soccer. Yeah. <laughs> How? What's it like playing with a team like that? It must be incredible, the, the relentless nature of it, to know that every single game you're playing with players that are like-minded and that want to go out and win every time they take to the pitch. Yeah, it's 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 actually it's it's been it's been a fantastic four four five years since uh, since I joined the club because I remember coming in and I had been out of soccer for a year or two. Um, it was actually yeah, it was it must have been about a year or two since I'd actually played soccer and and I'd, I'd always played a lot of it growing up. And I remember being asked into uh, into New York and uh, the, the, from day one since I joined the club, you're just surrounded by incredible players guys that um have skill in in all departments it's just you know all over the field lads are just just know their roles they have tricks they have um knowledge of the game their positioning is fantastic their work rate is excellent um they're they're la- they're la- like they're lads that I would have actually taught a few of them actually in school in, in Carlos CBS you know there's a few lads that I was actually playing with that I was teaching as well at the same time and you seen them when you see them out on the field. It's just incredible that what they're able to actually produce. And I would have always looked at. I would have played a good bit of soccer with Dave Lachey growing up as well. And I just knew the work ethic um, of these lads, these individuals, was was incredible. But when you're actually in the mix with them and actually playing with them, it's it's just it's just it's really enjoyable because it makes my job a lot easier. I wouldn't be the most um, you know. Um, skillful of, fo- of footballers that, that would have all the tricks in the bag but I work hard and I think everyone around us in on the, on the park w- works really really hard as well and, and they just they just know no difference they just want to win they just want to win everything and that's that's the goal um, and it's just, it's just a pleasure to actually play with them it's unbelievable so it is 
And it's unbelievable to watch on from afar, if I'm being honest with you. Just before I let you go, Connor, we'll be chatting with people from New York Boys across the week, promoting the game, and then we'll certainly have updates from next Sunday's game. But what's the message you want to send out? Get everybody down to the Burren Road, or as many people as possible to cheer on the team for what is a monumental occasion for the club and for Carlo Soccer. Yeah, look, everyone, if we could get as many people down as possible and create an atmosphere, at the end of the day, it's our home turf and... Um, every weekend there's a, there's a great atmosphere there's a, an unbelievable support base there for New York boys and um, but yeah, I, I'd love to see everyone from Carrolltown and, and around the county um, and, and from outside the county as well like um, coming coming over and seeing um, what New York are about like we're not going to approach this game and uh, and lie down we understand it's going to be a massive massive task ahead of us but we want to actually play a ball with them and we want to see you know what they're all about, and you know I, we're we're a junior side, but we have been we have proven it over the last um, couple of seasons that we're we're well able to step it up and mix it with some of the best teams in Ireland. So um, just get down as many people down as possible and and enjoy the game and enjoy the atmosphere and it's it's, it's the rare occasion. So um, being able to see something like like a, a local team. Playing a League of Ireland side is um, it's 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 one to actually go and check out. So yeah, just we're really looking forward. The lads are looking forward to it, and we kind of feed off of a of a good atmosphere down on the sideline, and lads cheering us on. So um, we just we we can't wait for it now. So it's the week the week has approached has has arrived. So we um, we're going to enjoy this week and enjoy the sessions and really really buzz off each other throughout the week, and and hopefully we can get something out of it um, you know that's what we're looking for yeah brilliant stuff well as always great catching up with you Connor. enjoy the week ahead I'm sure it'll be an exciting and nerve wracking week for yourself and everybody involved with yeah. New Oak Boys and the very best of luck next Sunday against Bray Wonders as I said we'll have updates and promotion of that all throughout the week that's great thanks Bobby cheers brilliant stuff that is Connor Byrne New Oak Boys midfielder catching up with me here on Scoreline to look ahead to next weekend's next Sunday's Leinster Senior Cup fourth round game against Bray Wonders on the Byrne Road do get down to the game if you can and if you can't make sure to tune in to Scoreline we'll have updates across the afternoon Now on Scoreline, I'm joined by Carlo Mann and Kilkenny foot golfer Stan Brennan to look ahead to the start of the Irish Foot Golf National Tour, which begins this day two weeks on February 26th in Footy Golf Course in Tallis. Stan, how are you? Good, thanks, Rob. And yourself? Yeah, all good, all good. Listen, Stan, as I said, it starts in two weeks' time. What can people expect if they want to join and um, participate in the tour this year? A fun day out, being honest with you. <laughs> That's anyway, the way I kind of started and looked at it. Uh, you know, the you start with these things and like you'll meet up with lads that you've um, you haven't you've never met before in your life and just kind of get to know them after like you know what I mean the, I know them I, I've been at weddings now belonging to these lads and all this type of thing and you just meet great people over and it's great for the mental health it's great for your physical health as well so it is yeah, it, it, it's kind of it's a real community spirit to the whole thing everybody knows everyone and everyone gets along isn't it yeah it really is yeah and like just generally I suppose for the year ahead now as I said it starts in Tala but there'll be a number of events throughout the year isn't it? There will yeah the second one I think is that we've never played on the course before it's cross up in um, it's either Galway or Mayo um, but it, there's a good spread like there's one up in Tyrone there's one down in Cork there's one in Shannon 
Kilkenny, I think there's one in Navin, and then there's one in yeah, the one the footies in Dublin. There's Kilkenny, obviously, as well. Yeah, so it's a good spread. We try, we try, always try to spread it out so the lads aren't travelling everywhere, if you know what I mean, like same fellas having to travel all over. Yeah, and I suppose for locals as well that are situated here in Kilkenny and Carlow, Kilkenny Foot Golf Course in the Polkoff Golf Centre would be our home course, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. be the closest one, yeah. And that's sort of... Is that one of the biggest clubs at the moment? Yeah, um, I suppose it would be, yeah. Between ourselves, Highfield, Footy and Shannon, Munster Foot Golf, would probably be the four main ones. Um, every year, you know, you're like, trying to grow it. Like, you'll always get one or two drop-offs and you'll always try to gain a few lads even like yourself there, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. But there's also a lot more women playing this year, isn't that right? There Sam? is, yeah. Like about three years ago, we had none whatsoever. Um, last year was the biggest one we had. We had about kind of four to five, mainly four girls playing. We had the odd girl then we might turn up at a local event, if you know what I mean. They wouldn't travel around. We had four girls yeah. that kind of travelled the country last year competing. So it's great to see, like, be honest with you. It's quite hard to get girls into it, into the competitive side of it because they're always playing soccer or Gaelic or Hurling or they're, they're doing something like that you know, kind of a way yeah and just with the tour with regards to the tour Stan as I said it starts in Tallow but how does it work how do you kind of do the ranking points and how can people you know as we said it's really fun and it can be quite casual but there's also a highly competitive side to this oh there is yeah uh, so you'll have eight events and it'll be your best six scores out of eight. So it does give you an opportunity if you like if you can't make one through energy, in, or injury, sorry, or if you have a wedding or whatever it may be, or if you just, I mean, there's days, you know, yourself when you just have a bad day and you, you can write that score off. So it's your best six out of the eight. And the way it's pointed in, so obviously first place will get 100 points, second place gets 95 points, and then third place is 95% of each score. So like third place will get... 90.25 and then so on all the way down to whatever maybe depending on how many people are playing in it yeah and kind of like any sport it's a season as well it starts at the end of February and it ends I think in October so it goes on it for will, a good yeah, while it does you try to spread it out so you do so when you're kind of organising the events you kind of have to factor in like you don't want them on bank holiday weekends you don't want them on St. Patrick's weekend you don't want them on like Easter holidays them type of things. so you're trying to spread them out to try to have maybe one a month that people can still have the family time or go on their holidays or do whatever like yeah, and I know there were two associations up until recently. They've amalgamated now. Do you think that's for the good of the sports then? Oh, definitely. I wish I'd have it out. Like, there was no point in having like 25 lads on one tour and 35 lads on the other tour. So now we have put it all together, like, thank God. And it goes it goes to show, like, especially the with the, the players that have been selected, we've selected like, the players that kind of got through to the World Cup. So there's, I mean, there's been a good spread between the two associations. So it really does go to show, like, that there is talent out there. Yeah, and you mentioned it there, the World Cup, it's taking place in Orlando at the end of May, if I'm correct. Could you give our listeners a bit of an insight into that? There'll be a lot of people, yourself included, representing Ireland over in the States. Yeah, so there's about 17 men, there's a few seniors and a few ladies as well. So obviously, yeah, we qualified through the ranking last year and yeah, end of end of May, start of June, it's on. So it's a singles event and it's a team event as well. So it should be very... It, like, when people kind of hear that in Orlando they think it's just going to be one big kind of holiday like, but unfortunately you won't see much of Orlando at all because I think about 11 days you'll be playing for about 10 of them wow. so you might get one day off and that's it Like, and even the days you're at the course you're probably going to be at the course for about 7 day hours like so here so there will be quite long days there will be draining days because it's obviously going to be very warm that time of the year as well Yeah and when you started playing Stan did you ever imagine you'd be representing Ireland in America no, I mean it's an incredible I achievement know. I didn't know to be fair no and just to give our listeners a bit of context as well, when did you start playing? How how has your football journey been? Because you are, of course, one of the best players in Ireland. 
never was. No, no, you certainly are now, Stan. <laughs> but back in 2017, I think it was, I kind of seen in the competition in Kenny. And I just said I'd go to, I had seen and there was kind of a tour then after that. But I said, you know what, I'll give the tour a go. Because I was playing quite well down at Kilkenny. But then when you're kind of coming to the competitions, it's a different story. Like tee boxes are moved to different places. They're moved back further. And their courses are a lot harder than your than your social course with the... Um, so yeah, I just decided. And I said seen and there was a World Cup in Morocco. Um, so I just said I'd go and just give it a go and see how I got on. So I did quite well that year. I started off quite well and that kind of set me up for the rest of the year I had a few bad competitions but I had started quite well and it just kind of saw me over the line so I did Yeah and it's exciting times for everybody involved in football in Ireland at the moment but for yourself this year looking ahead now to the start of the tour then the World Cup what's your main priority what's your focus for the year have you set any targets? I haven't no it's probably trying to get out and play a bit more to be honest with you I haven't played I, I haven't played in God, not in months I'd say to be honest with you so I need to try to get out get a bit of practice especially for the World Cup the World Cup will probably be my own my own focus this year as opposed to the tour. I will play the tour, don't get me wrong, but the focus as well will be trying to wear the World Cup and the team event. Um, so try practice as much as I can coming up to that. Brilliant stuff, Stan. And just before I let you go, if anybody is interested in playing, how do they get in touch and how do they kind of, you know, try and set up for that um that event in Tala in two weeks' time and, and maybe even beyond for the season? Yeah, just get in touch with the Football Association of Ireland. Uh, it's on Facebook there. It's on Instagram as well. So it is. Just drop us a message on the page. We can give all the details. They are a great day out, as you know yourself. Like, I mean, 36 holes. It's it's so. I've, I've genuinely have never met anyone that's played football and, and not enjoyed it, yeah. whether it be just socially or just competitively. I, I honestly have never met anyone that hasn't had a good day without them. Yeah, very. I can, I can yeah. agree with that. I must say, yeah. someone that's played a bit myself recently. So, Stan, the very best look for the year. I'm sure we'll be talking to you, and um, I'll certainly be talking to you in Tallinn in two weeks' time. Perfect. See you then, Rob. Thanks, Brilliant. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, welcome back to Scoreline with myself, Robbie Dowling. As I said before the break, we'll be catching up with former Ireland international Mick Quinn, and I'm delighted to say that Mick joins me on the line now. Mick, good afternoon to you. How are you? Good afternoon. Happy uh, days. Yes, very happy days. Of course, you were over in Cardiff yesterday. Ireland were 34 points to 10 winners against Wales. What did you make of the whole thing? An incredible performance by Andy Farrell's men. It was, it was unbelievable. Uh, the, the, the thing that was most noticeable to me was the amount of razzmatazz that went on just before the match started. Now, they can only do it in Wales because <clears throat> in Wales they have... Uh, they had the, ro- the roof shut so the noise level was incredible and they had a huge choir there singing of course if you put two Welsh guys in blazers together you have a choir automatically <laughs> here they had they had about 100 people in this choir they had a huge uh, brass band and uh, as soon as the national anthems went up because uh, they really let it go and and, uh, this man stands up in front of the crowd and he directs the crowd in the singing of the national anthem and it's absolutely stupendous it's wonderful you know and the atmosphere was alive they had these gas fire things shooting up in the air and I thought I was there with my son Michael and and, uh, I said God if they get going here we're going to be in trouble you know and the one thing that Ireland did was they went for the first 10, 15 minutes and they just dominated completely. And um, they planned the game out perfectly. The first half was, you know, idyllic rugby for Ireland, you know, and within 10 minutes they silenced the crowd completely. 
you know, they were out of the game and uh, it was a fantastic uh, performance in the first half. In the second half, we sort of sat back a little bit and, and almost cost ourselves the bonus point, really, um, because we just never really got it going in the second half. Now, you would have expected Wales to come back with a bit of fire uh, and, and answer us a little bit, and they did that. Um, and, and they showed some form Wales at that stage. But Ireland were just incredibly good, I thought, overall. And then we lifted it near the end, and, and Van der Fleer got the final try. So, uh, you know, it was just a brilliant day out. And everybody seemed to play really well. Uh, so it was great. So team and subs all played very well. And I was delighted with the the. The attitude of the Irish players was very professional. You know, a real winning attitude. You know, there was no uh, hoopla going on. It was all head down and concentrate on our game plan. And they just literally drilled whales all around the park. Is that the main thing to take away from it? Because I couldn't believe the scoreline at halftime, 27-3. I think it was Ireland's biggest lead at halftime in Cardiff in the history of the Six Nations. The the fact that... Ireland were so ruthless. They didn't just create chances. They were so clinical with them and they didn't give Wales yeah. any opportunity at all to even get into the game. No, they didn't. And uh, everything was on spot. It was almost like <clears throat> we had set out a plan and we just we just went through that plan perfectly from start to finish. It was fantastic. And, you know, when you have guys all playing well like everybody was playing well I mean uh, I I have to say Conor Murray I thought had a, had a very good game he gave us great control in the first half and that's what he's very very good at you know and Sexton again has hardly played any rugby at all and uh, now he wasn't brilliant yesterday but he was still running the show and for me when you look at an out half you want a man who's actually going to take control of the game and that's what Sexton does he was incredible like and everything just motored around him he didn't try to do too much because he knew he probably wasn't going to be able to do too much yesterday simply because he hasn't played any rugby but uh, Keenan was unbelievable at fullback. What a performance. And and the one time when we showed real weakness was when the Welsh got away and kicked the ball over the line. And he came from nowhere, Keenan, and got the touchdown, and which saved us. And, and that saved a sort of Welsh onslaught. And from then on, Ireland, you knew we were going to win the match, you know. But everybody played well. Um, I was impressed with McCluskey in the middle of the backs. A big, big fella. He's a big lump of a guy. I didn't realise he was quite as big as that until I, I was actually quite near the front and you could see the size of him. Like I wouldn't like to be arguing with him over, <laughs> over a bowl of porridge in the morning, I can tell you. Uh, big lump of a guy, you know, and look down the marker, really, uh, that the, you know, the, the guys are in a very good place, you know. I mean, the, it's the way the team, uh, the attitude of the team, the way they're thinking, and uh, it's no longer, I think, where Ireland are going, well, we're hoping if we're go- they're going actually to do the business, you know, uh, and they believe in themselves. And, uh, you know, when I was playing, I mean, you know, we would go over and we would hope to do our best and all that sort of stuff. But you would never be in the confidence situation where you knew you were better than the opposition and you were quite capable of proving it, you know. And these guys are at the top 
of their game. I mean, we, we've got to realise in Ireland that we're in an era, you know, since like the early 2000s, we're in an era when we are up with the very best in the world. And I don't think we actually appreciate that enough, you know. I really don't. I think we have had the best of the best in the last 20 years, uh, the way Ireland have played, the way Ireland have been coached, the way the players believe in themselves and have come through um, and, and are in the absolute zenith of their careers. It's it's fantastic to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the, the nation of Ireland really needs to get behind this team because they're quite capable of doing just about anything, you know. My, I think, you know, people talking about us winning the World Cup now uh, at this stage is all a bit uh, preempted. You know, I, I don't think... Uh, I don't think we should be even talking about that yet, you know, and and I think the draw itself is going to make it very difficult for Ireland to win the World Cup. I think we've got a terrible draw. You couldn't have a worse draw, actually, uh, in the World Cup. Had we got the draw that, say, England have, I would actually have fancied us to win the World Cup. But I I can't say that that is the case when... uh, we're stuck in a section with France, New Zealand, and South Africa, all in the same, all in the same place, you know. And uh, I, I think, from that point of view, it's, it's that is a bit ahead of us at the minute. Uh, and I, I just think we are a Six Nations team, really. And I'd like to see us concentrate on that as our main thing and stop thinking that, you know, it's better be the World Cup or else, you know. I I, I, I just think that may be a step too far, you know. Yeah, do you think there's too much emphasis put on the World Cup from not rugby supporters, I suppose, but people maybe that casually watch rugby and then they come in and say, well, Ireland, you know, have failed at the World Cup or they haven't made a semi-final at the World Cup. So the Six Nations victories maybe are a bit tarnished. But do you feel as though we really should be concentrating on the Six Nations? That's how we'll build. And eventually, at some stage down the line, when the draw goes right or we get a bit of luck or whatever, the World Cup success will come. Yes, I, I think so. And I think the setup of the World Cup is all wrong, you know. I mean, to think that Ireland should find themselves in a section with all of these teams and England are going to sail through to the World Cup final, I think, you know. And the other section, all they have is Australia and, and maybe Argentina in their in their half of the draw. And I, I just think uh, there's something wrong when when you know all of the top teams are in one section and, and know they're not going to get near the final, you know. Uh, some of them are not going to get near the final you know and the other thing is to remember that we've no right to feel with the numbers that we have playing the game of rugby in Ireland that we have any right to think that we should be anywhere near the World Cup that's why I say the Six Nations is our thing it's what Irish rugby followers follow most Um, it is our bread and butter it is the social and sporting aspect of it it suits our diaspora and I think um, you know I'm much more in favour of you know the Six Nations idea rather than the um, uh, the the World Cup thing you know I think just think that when it comes to numbers the number of people who play rugby something like 40,000 people in the country play rugby It'd be fine if if 
all the GAA lads were playing rugby, then we could say, yes, the World Cup is what we're about. But really, in realistic terms, you know, we, we've got to be looking at the Six Nations as our mainstream, you know. Yeah, and our next game in the Six Nations is Saturday. It's against what are yeah. probably the two best teams in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment, at the moment Ireland yeah. and France. Yeah. Um, a big one if Ireland are to try and go on and win the Six Nations this year. Yeah, it is. I think it's a, this, this is, is the one that will show us much more than Wales did yesterday. Um, we're all going to be up against the French. They're tough, they're hard. They defend better than they've ever done uh, now. And, uh, and they are... They are you know, big, big, bigger than us, bigger physically than us. And that's where we have a, a whole new set of problems to overcome if we're going to think of winning that game. But we are at home, which is good. And the French don't always travel well. You know, they don't always play well away from home. And, um, you know, in fact, we're probably more consistent away from home than France are. But uh, this French team are a different element, though. They're, they're, there's something steely about them. And uh, I think they're going to be difficult to beat. And one team that maybe were surprisingly not difficult to beat yesterday were England. I mean, they were eight points up at one stage in the second half, eventually losing by 29 points to 23 against Scotland. And Scotland won the Calcutta Cup, I think, for the third time in a row when they won at Twickenham yesterday. Uh, what did you make of that? What sort of shape are England in under their new head coach after they sacked um, Eddie Jones? Yeah, yeah. well, I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed this. I have to say <laughs> I enjoyed it because I thought Scotland just took off the shackles and went for them. And uh, I thought they were fully deserving of their win. Um, I think they're an underestimated Scottish team. I think they've got, they might not have huge depth, but they certainly have talent. And uh, they're going to give any team trouble. In fact, Ireland will not find it easy to win in Murrayfield. That's for sure. Yeah, when the Scots get to play at home, it's going to be very hard for Ireland over there. And I think it, this is a great Six Nations. And you know, what worries me about the Six Nations is they're talking about bringing the South Africans into it, which brings a totally different physical element to the Six Nations to make it a Seven Nations or whatever. And uh, I, I, I just think, you know. South Africans aren't part of the Six Nations and I don't like them coming in on us just for the money end of us, you know what I mean? And and I think it'll be much better if it's just left as it is because it's still the best uh, competition in the world, you know, without a doubt. But I think Scotland are going to be a test for anybody this year playing with that sort of abandon that they played with yesterday and belief. And there was belief in that Scottish team yesterday. They, they were, they were very impressive. Uh, England, um, I have a bit of work to do, but I still think that England will have a very strong team by the time the World Cup comes around. I think they'll be physically big and strong. Uh, the coach will have, and he is a good coach. Uh, they, they, he will get things going. And I think the, the draw that they've got in the World Cup means that England are going to be a real danger when it comes around to it. You know, if they get into a World Cup final having only played one or two tough games, they're going to give any team uh, a game in a, in a World Cup final, you know. Can England lose at home to Scotland in the one year and potentially make a World Cup final, in your opinion? Yes, I do. I do think that simply because of the draw, not necessarily yeah. because of their talent. I think of their size, they will be hard to beat when it comes around to a World Cup. I think they'll be organised. Uh, I think by that stage, they probably will have fouled back in at 10. 
Um, I just don't think it's working with him at the centre. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure his father agrees with me. Andy <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and uh, I just think they're messing around just to fit in um, uh, an out half who's a fair weather player, in my opinion. But um, you know, it's no use going around doing your hair and and looking good uh, when it comes around to playing rugby. You've got to be actually be good. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I would much rather have a Johnny Sexton at ten than have your man from England. You know. Yes, I yes. Mean, it's just ridiculous. You know, it's no use going out with a bag of caviar in your pocket <laughs> to play a rugby match. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I hear you on that one, Mick. Just before I let you go, you were chatting about the structure of it. Maybe potentially South Africa coming into it. I think most people would agree with you that they wouldn't like to see that. But something that's been yeah. touted recently now, I know Italy bet Wales in the last round last year, but was the was the fact that maybe relegation would add to the Six Nations. Would you agree with something like that where the bottom place team maybe play a playoff with, you know, one of the tier two sides or whatever it may be? I'm not sure about that. You know, I just think, why why change something that's so just so good? Every year, the Six Nations gives you such a buzz. People want to go and travel over to Rome for a match and have a lovely weekend. And the social aspect of it comes into it as well as the competitive rugby end. You know, why, why, why complicate it with even more matches between bottom teams and all the rest of us? I think, I think there's a place for um, the tier two teams to have a decent competition that could be put in much more in line with the the Six Nations. I think there could be a much more practical competition there. Uh, with it maybe something to do with coming in, you know, and, and maybe having a, you know, the bottom team goes down for a year or something like that. But it does mess things up, you know what I mean? And it'd be a lot of sort of, well, we're good this year, but we're not good next year sort of stuff going on, you know, so... I'd be just a little bit worried about something like that. You know, if it's not fixed, you know, if it's not broken, why fix it? Do you know what I mean? chat about the Super Bowl between Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas City Chiefs that takes place on Sunday the 12th of February which is of course this day next week and I am delighted to say that Cullum now joins me on the line. How are you Cullum? Very well, thanks, uh, Robbie. Looking forward to the big game next week. Uh, if Shane was around, I suppose we'd be talking about this being WrestleMania, the Royal Rumble. God Almighty, you don't talk to me. All rolled into one. But yes, it's the, it's the biggest event on the NFL calendar for sure. Yeah, it promises to be just another magical night on stateside. Um, I suppose the most basic question to ask and the one that everybody wants to know, how do you see it going? Two brilliant teams, I suppose, in the form of the Eagles and the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, kind of, I suppose, made in, in totally different ways, you, you would have to say. The, the Chiefs are a model of stability in, in, many, in many ways, like Andy Reid. I mean, there, there, there's so many different aspects to this, right? Because Andy Reid has been the head coach of both of these franchises. He spent 10 years um, in Philadelphia, 14 years um uh, with the the Chiefs, um, you obviously have the the two brothers going up against one another, Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey. That's the first time that's ever happened. But the the Chiefs are are built are 
uh, around Patrick Mahomes. Probably, I, I think, um, safe to say, the, the best quarterback in the, the league. Um, I think maybe before this season, some people might have still tried saying um, Aaron Rodgers, but I think Mahomes showed this year will be the, the league MVP. He's absolutely incredible. Um, but it's all about like Mahomes and the magic that he can, can make happen. Uh, on the Eagles side, this is a team who have gone through huge transition in the past few years. Uh, Nick Sirianni has come in. Jalen Hurts is now the, the starting QB. And they started off last season really, really poorly, Robbie. And a lot of people were asking a lot of questions about Sirianni, rookie head coach at the time. Then they went into to Denver. Vic Fangio kind of dared Jalen Hurts to beat him with his arm. And they, they did. And they have kind of rallied around that. And I think that's where this gets really interesting because this is essentially going to be, can Patrick Mahomes find a way to beat the, this Eagles team, which is so well-rounded? There, there are very few holes in the roster. And one of the things that they have done really well is on the, the defensive line, the guys who try to get to the quarterback. And the Eagles had 70 sacks in the regular season which is second overall. Only the 1984 Bears actually had more. But what they have done is taken a really interesting approach. They probably don't have the the four best. Um, so you usually have four um, guys on your defensive line. They don't have the four best in the league, but they have the eight best in the league. And so they're able to rotate guys in and out, give guys proper rest, so you, the offensive line never gets a chance to rest and they wear teams down and they grind them down. And that's one of the reasons why they have been so successful. And then on offense, they have their weapons as well. They made the trade to, to bring um, in uh, the WR1 uh, from AJ Brown from the Titans. They have Devonta Smith. They have, uh, and they also can rush the ball really well. So it, it really is a fascinating matchup. It truly is a kind of a coin flip game. Personally, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Eagles just because um, they have uh, a more rounded roster. But if you said to me right now that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes would go on to, to win this, even by two touchdowns, I wouldn't be shocked by that. If Mahomes turns up how difficult will it be for the Eagles to win? Do, do you think he's the key to it for the Chiefs if, if they're to have any hope? And I know you're leaning towards the Eagles, but if he has his own game and Andy Reid brings a really good um, coaching performance to the biggest day of them all, do the Chiefs have the edge then, do you think? Well, what's fascinating, and, and I, I would argue that we almost underappreciate Andy Reid because Patrick Mahomes is so gifted. Like Patrick, Patrick Mahomes can do things on a football field that you shouldn't be able to do, that most people aren't able to do, and that go against you know what you're actually taught as a as a young player coming through. You're not supposed to uh, throw across your body. You're not supposed to throw no look passes. He does them and he makes them look easy. But I think Andy Reid is absolutely one of the top 10 coaches of all time. And you could potentially, if, if you were to win this, I think you'd be talking about top five uh, coaches of all time, potentially. So, yeah, if they show up, it will, it will make it um, very, very difficult. And the, the, they have weapons. Like Travis Kelsey is um, the best uh, tight end in the game. 
but they are carrying a lot of injuries to their wide receivers. Um, so it will be down to, to Mahomes to, to make magic happen. We have seen it time and time again, but we have seen as well, I suppose, in the, the Super Bowl where um, a few years ago against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Bucks defense was able to get at that offensive line. Mahomes was scrambling for his life. And he actually uh, set a record for the amount of, of uh, yards scrambling. Ultimately, it ended in defeat. Um, and that could happen again. But with Patrick Mahomes, no matter who his wide receivers are, Robbie, he's in with a puncher's chance, and more, more than that, because he can deliver the, the knockout blow, and he will be the best defense or best quarterback that this Eagles defense will have faced all year. And that's the on-the-pitch stuff, but as everybody knows with the Super Bowl, uh, there's a lot of stuff in the week building up to it and on the day itself that happens off the field. Anything we should be looking out for? Halftime show, pre-game, post-game, anything at all? Yeah, well, I suppose, look, it's it's funny, uh, Robbie, just how big the, the halftime show is. And, and in some ways, the um, the halftime show, is it's like that there's a concert that takes place and there's a football game. That, that happens around it. Um, so, uh, and I, I know I saw uh, Adele made uh, made a comment uh, this week that she was going to go into the, the Super Bowl, but only to see Rihanna, which, uh, <laughs> which, which tells you, you know, everything about it. Like last year was, was incredible. You had um, Dr. Dre, Eminem, Snoop, Kendrick Lamar, Mary Late, Jay Blige, um, you know, so the, the, it'll be Rihanna plus plus others. So it is like an entire kind of um, concert takes place in the midst of it. Now, that's one of the reasons why the game kind of takes much longer than usual. Yeah. It's very difficult for fans on this side of the Atlantic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think undoubtedly um, there will be an awful lot that will, will happen. The NFL honours will also happen during the, the week. We'll see who the league MVP is and the offensive and rookie, um, uh, the defensive rookies of, of the year. So yeah, there'll be loads happening in the build-up. And obviously a big build-up for yourselves at the Irish NFL show. I know you're flying over there again. We were chatting to you last year. You were at it as well. Um, exciting times for the Irish NFL show. You're doing absolutely great work, I have to say. What have you got coming up in the week? Yeah, well, very, very fortunate, Robbie. So um, I, I'll be actually flying out uh, tomorrow, making the, the my way across. We will have content uh, throughout the, the week, um, talking to, to people, interviews with uh, former players and, and coaches and various media members. And then we have a live show next Saturday. Um, so the, gay, the day before the, the Super Bowl itself, and that will be airing um, in the evening, early evening. So um, that is definitely something to keep an eye on. We're, you can find us all across social media. So whether you're on Twitter, Instagram, or, or Facebook, or or whether you're not on, maybe you're not on social media, you can still find us. If you Google Irish NFL show, we have a website. You can find our uh, podcast wherever you get your podcast. But yeah, we'll be pumping out the content this week, definitely.
Another busy weekend of sport comes to an end. But of course, we'll be back next Friday night with Friday scoreline from 6 to 7pm with Eddie Scally. Then on Saturday and Sunday, we'll have scoreline from 2 to 6pm, bringing you the best live action, which of course sees Carlo and Kilkenny games being exclusively broadcasted on KCLR throughout the duration of the Allianz National Hurling League and Championship cycle. We'll we'll also be reviewing all the best of the action every Monday night with full time from 6 to 7pm with our very new host Martin Quilty we've got you covered on all things Kilkenny Carlo National and international sport right here on Scoreline